On this episode of the Star Wars Time Show, Matt and Nick will be doing a bit of scrambling to account for a last-second cancellation. But worry not, these two bozos have a special topic plan to fill the void. They'll also discuss the new Kenobi set video leak, the Lego Star Wars Skywalker Saga delay game, some Ralph-inspired Funko Pops, and the wizardry of ILM. After they drop some stupid on those topics, they'll kick off this week's fan segment which will feature a battle bracket update, fan responses to the question of the week, and our top five Star Wars artist features complete with a critique session. Punch it, Chewie! Everybody! Hey now! Hey now! And a hey now. I, I realized last week when I say hey now, I say hey now. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Star Wars Time Show. If you really parse that out, Nick, yeah. it doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> well, like, how can I welcome you back to a brand new episode of the show if it's just now brand new? Welcome right? back for a brand new there it is, there it right. Is. There, there the, has to the be a qualifier word. in there somewhere. The one word. <laughs> Welcome back for a brand new edition of the Star Wars. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to a brand new edition of the Star Wars Time Show. It's dip and shit, and we're here to guide you through all things not that important in the Star Wars universe because there just really isn't much to talk about these days. And yes, if you're expecting um, the lovely Natalie Cox, she is not with us. All right, we had a kind of a last second schedule change. I don't know if Spas Spencer is going to get her back onto the docket or or whatnot, uh, but she had something pop up and she is not here today. So Nick and I, we're, we're going to try to cobble together some sort of Star Wars time show <laughs> uh, because we had planned for at least an hour of the show to be talking with her. Uh, hey, 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 Kwame DeRoach, what is up? Um, but that that's what happens, right? That's what happens in the land of Star Wars fan podcasts, especially shitty ones that no one's listens to. You, you just don't know what's going to happen with your guests. But hopefully Natalie's all right. Everything's yeah. good. And, and um, maybe we'll get her back on the show uh, later down, down the road. road. Yeah. Uh, I've just I, I've given a directive to Spaspa Spencer, our PR guy and producer, uh, to, to to scale it back a little bit on the interviews, it, I mean, let's be real. They really haven't done much for the show in, in terms of, of gaining new audience. I know the existing fans love them because a lot of times it's it's people from the community, so you have some familiarity with them. And it's cool to, you know, talk to these people. There are artists, after all, and just kind of get some of their insights on the hobby and Star Wars in general. Um but in terms of the bigger interviews, this is going to happen, and it's—I mean—it's something I expect. All right, yeah. I think Spencer uh, finally realized that you know this is going to happen a lot. He had the win with Silas, but he's got to get used to this type of shit yeah. going down. Yeah. Potential reschedules, cancellations—it's no big deal. I mean, right? We've been doing the show for six years now, sans interviews entirely. Um, so we're, we're fine either way, but it is, you know, like you, like you mentioned, it's, it's cool to talk to people from the community, you know, like the interviews with Jason and with 
Jason. Yeah, I, I love that. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, Nick. I, when I woke up and saw that message, my anxiety level went, went down, down yeah, no, by you, a factor of ten. You, so. you definitely get a little, a little more nervous because it, I mean, like talking, you know, talking to somebody like Silas or like Natalie, who's who, who's worked in the franchise, is definitely a different level than than talking to you know Blaine or talking to right. Jason B. Michael. Right. Or, and it's not even like a stat. It's just I. I can't be as Haywood pop as I want to be with yeah. these people. And also, I, I can't you know, just sit there and be like, fuck shit, <laughs> dick, cunt. <laughs> when, and, and when you're talking, when we're talking to people from the community. We have like a direct connection with them and, and more, you know, right. more circumstances than not. And also you have more of a direct connection with them through, through the hobby. So yeah. it's the conversation flows a little bit easier and stuff like that. You don't have to worry too much about like, yeah, it's not a, it's not like a scared anxiety. I'm not like, Oh no, Natalie Cox is coming on. I'm, I'm a scared little boy again. Who's an introvert and doesn't want to talk to anybody. It's, it's just, I'm like anxious to get it going. I just yeah. want to, I want to get it going. I want to see if we're going to have any fucking tech issues to start. I, I, I'm anxious that are, is it going to be a, a, an interesting conversation? Did I ask the right questions? Did I write down the right notes? Uh, so I really, you know, get worked up. We, we do, we do put some effort into these interviews. Yeah. I mean, yesterday I spent some time, uh, you know, kind of looking over Natalie's career to generate some questions and kind of envision a flow of the interview interview, even though I know interviews, basically the moment you start talking, it's going to go wherever the fuck it, it's going to go. I mean, it's yeah. very hard to, to stick to it. Okay. Uh, Natalie, can you answer question one for me? Yeah. Go. It's like, All we right, don't, we don't now send question anybody two. scripts. We don't have <laughs> them pre-write their answers or anything like that. You know, we, we literally just kind of wing it and, Right. To a certain I mean, degree. I have questions that I want, I'm interested in. And then there's questions I think other people would be interested in. But hey, it, it didn't happen. That's fine. Guess what you're going to get instead? You're going to get a special topic presentation. We're calling it Pissed Off George Lucas. Yeah. Um, so, so we're going to introduce for the first time our Pissed Off George Lucas segment. I don't know if it'll come back. I think we could probably keep this thing going, you know, keep <laughs> kicking the tires down the road. Uh, but we're going to try this new segment of Things That Pissed Off George Lucas. Uh, so we have that for you today instead of the Natalie Cox interview, as well as our usual nonsense that we spew on the Star Wars Time Show. Um, so before we get into the topics, Nick, you know, let's let's kind of shoot the shit. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about your trip and how you almost died. Almost That's right. Died, yeah. we, we almost lost uh, the, the co-pilot on the Star Wars Time Show uh, this Easter weekend, thanks to some very rude <laughs> individuals, hikers. some hikers. Uh, I've got some gaming stuff I want to rattle off. So before we learn about Nick almost dying, yep. I, I'm going to launch into some uh, some gaming talk. And it, it's not all Star Wars related, but I, I, I will lead with my Star Wars gaming uh, news, if you will. And, and Nick knows he, he got the tease and most of you probably could care less. But I have finally unlocked a galactic legend in Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes. I know, calm down. I will give everyone a few seconds to, to temper their excitement. It's a good thing you're not all live on a phone call right now because all we'd hear would be like, ah, <laughs> ah, yeah, Matt, 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 Matt. 
So, I mean, unless you play this game, you really have no idea, like, how big of an accomplishment it is for a free-to-play game to unlock a character of that weight. It's Jedi Master Luke, so I've got all the Lukes now. I've got the JML, the JKL, uh, the CL, the regular farm boy, not that he's been useful in that game for years, but I, I, I finally unlocked Jedi Master Luke, and my God, Nick, has it just opened up so many new paths in that game for me in terms of... Uh, being a better guild member in terms of contributing to territory battles and wars, but also selfishly, you know, for me, I've cracked the top 50 in my arena for the first time in five years because <laughs> I'm in the hardest arena shard the game has to offer. Um, so it's been nice. I mean, it, I did, even though it's just random, stupid, grinding, brainless shit, Nick, just every day remembering to do this and refresh that and click on that, it did still feel like a a a huge accomplishment in my gaming career no dude that it's it's true i mean even before the galactic (laughs) legends i think um this is this is what excites me now is unlocking (laughs) free-to-play game characters that take that that took me like eight months yeah you know i can remember probably three years ago two three years ago when I was like, you know, starting my grind and like getting into the game and stuff like that, we were before we were going live for one show, I was sitting there, I was talking about, I was like, dude, I'm so close to Commander Luke Skywalker. And this was when like he was, you know, like when you unlock CLS, like the game expanded for you, like kind of like I'll tell you what though, dude, the, the, the CLS squad is a still a highly viable squad. If you get Chupio in there, Chupio, 3PO, regular Chew and Han yeah good to go yeah and I was sitting there I was like dude I've been at it like because with that one it's like it you know like a lot of these events are RNG and like you just have to hope you get good roles hope you get good crits on your team and hope the other the enemy team doesn't focus fire one particular target and you know I got that run and I was like oh my god I did it I finally did it it does it makes you feel good dude it's it's weird it is it's like there's no skill involved at all I mean mean, let let me be clear this game Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes requires absolutely no skill (laughs) you have to be able to read and kind of you know there's people that that metacraft that figure out which tunes pair together with other tunes and you get some god squads yeah uh, but outside of those people, I, I guess that is a skill, like just, Theory, or is that just and reading like that. and taking the time to figure it out. Yeah. Uh, but outside of that, as long as you can ask questions to Google and, and look for videos and whatnot, there is no skill in this game. It's just, do you have the pea brain to sit there and do the same thing over and over every single day, day in and day out? Like the, there, there's not a single day that goes by where I do not play galaxy of heroes and that's why i love it i mean i know a lot ea capital game they're just taking all our money it's still free to play it still gives me an hour to two of just bullshit time (laughs) while i'm sitting there watching shit that i really don't want to watch uh or you know sitting on the toilet so fuck it i mean that i love games like that if i don't have to if i'm not compelled to pay money for it yet it still gives me a daily uh, gaming experience set in Star Wars where I can collect characters, fine. Yeah. Fuck it. No, that, it's definitely, it's one of those games that, that can just kind of be a persistent part of your day. And I think that the thing that you have over me is like that the guild that you're in is so active and it's so 
is like it yeah. is like a relatively big part of your your grind and like you know you have goals not only that you set for yourself but like that the guild has that of you're course, working because towards. i mean nick nick hit something perfectly and i i fucked off in this game for the first three years it was out I, I literally just played it like an asshole i didn't care it was super casual i ran a guild called yes lord vader i think nick was in it at one point mm-hmm. in time yeah. but we, we didn't organize shit and that fucks you up because if you're in a good guild, they can get you this much more guild event currency. They can get you the special characters like Kiati Mundi. I mean, you need a good guild to even get a character like Kiati. So uh, you're 100 percent on. I mean, it's sometimes I, I'm always worried they're going to kick me out because I'm definitely not as hardcore as some of them. Uh, but a, a good guild goes a long way. Yeah. Uh, having discord communications the shit that they've done with the bots in Discord. I mean, some of these guys, I feel like they're they're like expert level programmers with the shit they figured out in Discord in this game and how to scout other teams and, and recommend squads. But still loving the game. It's still frustrating at times. I'm still a year or two behind the pimp players. But I'll tell you what, for those of you who are like, oh, they never change it. I mean, Conquest mode, boom! You got that to deal with now. You can earn the razor cor- razor crest. Galactic legends were different. I mean, they, they add new shit. So I'm a fan. I'll stick with it. It looks like we finally have a player in chat in CTLKLR007. So there you go. That's our first. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's the first uh, SWTS SWGOH fan we've come across. Yeah, I know. We've been talking besides about this the game. intern. So yeah, we've been talking about Swigo for years at this point. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it's Sugo is it, it's it's almost synonymous with SWTS. I know yeah. Nick is I'm is fall, kind of I've fallen off, off the bandwagon. I don't know. Like but... I haven't opened the game up in weeks. Like, oh, you bastard! No, that like, is I, sacrilegious at this point. I just like I can't. And to think the intern was scouting you at one point in time. I'm glad to he bring didn't. you into the Wookies Always Win no, collective. I'm, I'm glad he didn't because I may be <laughs> I may just be done with it. He's done incompletely. Like maybe you, in a year I'll me, pick man. it up or something like that. But it's just like it got you're to the point me. to where, like I was saying, like I had jumped around to a few different guilds and they it was just like it just didn't hold that same kind yeah. of excitement for me that it once did because So what did you fall back to? Did you go back to Strike Force or, oh, no, or I just some don't of the play clones? anything on my phone? <laughs> You're you're back to just big boy gaming. Yeah, yeah. I just it's speaking just of like, that, Nick. Let, let's uh, big boy gaming. I've got one out there. I, I've talked about it. I tried to sell it. It's out now. Outriders. Yeah. And yes, I'll I'll, I'll be the first one to admit they ran into some fucking issues. Uh, it wasn't cyberpunk level issues, but they they were dealing with the old the dreaded server outage. Which I'll try to spin it in a positive light, Nick. It's basically. Their game was way more popular than any of their models could have predicted. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you got to credit that to the fact that they made the decision to day one launch it on Games Pass. I mean, that mm-hmm. it might seem silly to some people, but it's brilliant. And Nick is a marketer here. I mean, think about what they're doing. They essentially said, hey, anyone on Games Pass, you now have access to our brand new IP the same day anyone else that pays 70 bucks uh, can have access yeah, to it i mean so right there they are looping in a much larger base than they ever would have had if they just stuck to a traditional retail model yeah i mean they they definitely got an upfront payment from microsoft for that almost guaranteed i don't know what the price was but uh if you've been following along with the microsoft xbox developments over the past few months you know that they're essentially doubling and tripling down on the video game space 
And it's very oh, they're evident. making the right moves. I think Sony's starting to realize, like, oh no, we we can't maybe rely on just our first party IP anymore. Because guess what? It's on Game Pass. Yeah. I mean, MLB the Show is coming to Game Pass before it's going to PS Now. Yeah. Like, get some. Yeah. So so Xbox. I mean, their their strategy is to literally just buy the marketplace, and it's working for them. Clearly. I mean, I, I don't love it, know and if- it's like. Because you know as well as I do, Nick, um, Outriders is not going to be on Game Pass for months and months and months. Yeah. Uh, I have a feeling they might give it two months, maybe three months, and then it's going to get pulled. Mm -hmm. And people like me, if they're still playing, are going to get the option. All right, hey, it's leaving Games Pass. But because you are on Games Pass, you get 20% off if you want to buy it. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think it was a brilliant move, but in the end, it, it kind of bit them in the ass uh, Friday and, and over the weekend because uh, they were suffering from just straight up the servers are dead. Yeah. Like you can't you can't get in to play the fucking game. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, which is like you said, it's a good problem to have from a from a realistic standpoint, you know, it's because there's too many players. But then also like, man, that really it's sucks because you do alienate yeah. your fan base right off the bat. <laughs> Right. I mean, it's bad public relations. I mean, luckily, it hasn't been long swaths of of downtime. Yeah. Uh, I I know they had to bork some of the crossplay, especially between PC and console. Like, they just had to turn that shit off. Uh, As it was, it's still listed as a beta feature, by the way. So I'm not I'm not busting for the crossplay. But uh, once again, it's just another instance of a developer and publisher not being ready for the launch day crunch. And, And to me, someone with some it knowledge know-how this that and the other thing i mean when you have services like aws these days and you still have companies that get crunched by literally uh, resource problems yeah i mean if people can fly was using aws and they they had you know some load balancing and elasticity set up and ready to go nothing no fucking downtime it would have just started spinning up new servers on the fucking fly to handle the load but in the end it's probably a guy or a girl in a suit not making the game not really caring about the art craft or the experience but more more caring about the bottom line get it out the fucking door we don't need to set up any more servers those servers will be sitting there we're not spending the money on it and that's really well if you use aws you can actually do that and not spend money and and then spend money when you use it and they're like shut up you're stupid you're just a developer i know how to make the money give me my big ass bonus yeah dude just pure uh, there's no reason for it to happen now with any game like you said it just shouldn't be a problem but i don't right. know if it's you know suits or if it's literally like they have deals with man. certain it, server companies because i know yeah, that that they're, they're, does they're, happen but again who makes those deals the the creators or the fucking money no, makers? Yeah, the right. money makers <laughs> you're right uh it was just, it was a bummer because i you know i i think the game I, I don't read reviews for the most part, but I, but I think it's it's done well outside of like, oh, yeah, you had some server issues. So here's what I'll say on the game itself. I still fucking love it, but I have learned I picked the worst class. The absolute you, you can look it up, Nick. It is generally described across the gaming media as the single worst class to pick if you're going to be playing the game by yourself at any point in time. <laughs> and that is the pyromancer. So... <laughs> Okay. If you want an extreme challenge, go Pyromancer and play Outriders solo. Yeah. I mean, the character that I had started with was like the ghost one, whatever the one. Okay. Well, you're, you're somewhat intelligent because 
uh, and, and stunt buddy Hank. Yeah. Like he started pyro, and when we start playing, I'm like, dude, where's your pyro? He's like, I had to change. I couldn't get past certain sections, so I went um, trickster, which is what Nick's is yeah. ta- Nick is talking about. And I was like, oh, you pussy, you quitter. And he's like, oh, you know, you're gonna quit too. You can't. You won't be able to. Get, and I get past all this part with the pyromancer, so I'm like, eat it. My balls are bigger. <laughs> but the further I progress into the game, the more I'm like, yeah, I probably should have switched my glass because like, that juggernaut's he's looking doing, real good um, now. <laughs> He's doing Black Adam right now, and their schedule basically okay. is 5 a.m. They have to report. Damn. Um, shooting Black Adam. So, like, he, he, I don't have a co-op partner right now. So I am getting my fucking teeth kicked in with my Pyromancer in Outriders on, I think I'm World Tier 7 or 8. Uh, but I'm starting to think I maybe should have pivoted and started a, a better class for solo <laughs> and, and kept, like, a soloing a solo class and a co-op, and a co-op class. class yeah no i mean you know that I makes mean? total sense a lot of games you can do that too like that's similar for like diablo and a lot of other rpgs that allow you to to group play group content together is you, yeah you have kind of like your your solo guy and then your so you know your uh your it, duo partner. it was the, it was the right move i mean he had a point but i'm an ignorant asshole i mean first <laughs> and foremost i was like all right he's, he's basically challenging me saying that i can't get past a section he couldn't get past with a pyro. So right there, I was like, fuck you, I'll do it. And I did it. And I was like, I did it. You're a pussy. But the more I've played without him further on the game, the more I'm like, yeah, Pyromancer is not meant to be a solo class. And like I said, just, just look it up. Research Outriders Pyromancer solo. And you're pretty much going to get nothing but like, don't do it. Don't fucking do it unless you want a hardcore challenge. Because this game you don't you don't say oh i want to play on easy and that's it 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 scales every time you increase a world tier so by default you could end up playing on like legendary difficulty without setting a legendary difficulty yeah. so i'm kind of you know i'm 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 tweaking world tier here or there when i get stuck on a cheap ass fight uh, but I, I think I'm going to stick with the pyro, maybe fire up another class. But those thinking of playing Outriders and haven't done it yet, here, here's what I'm going to leave you with. If you know you're going full solo, do the, Devast- do the Devastator, which is the tank, or the uh, Technomancer, which is kind of a, a ranged gadget type of character. Mm-hmm. Trickster, I've heard, is also pretty solid for solo. Just don't do pyro. <laughs> if you're going to be doing co-op, I'd say whatever class you want yeah uh but but pyro seems to be best suited with other characters due to its squishiness as we like to say in the gaming biz yeah technomancer was the other one that i was very curious about like when i was playing demo so i almost just like like i didn't even finish the demo on trickster but i almost just like played up to a certain point on trickster and then went back and, and created a technomancer but didn't do that so eventually if slash when i get it I I may just transfer over my trickster or I may just create a brand new technomancer out of nowhere and try that one out. But um yeah, yeah my, I I'm someone that are you someone that can do multiple classes in a game and not yeah. feel and not feel like it's overly repetitive I think and that makes you angry? It's because I played MMOs so much, like okay. having played Star Wars uh the Old Republic for so long, having played even played World of Warcraft for one expansion and then like numerous other ones just on and off. Like you, you kind of have to do that. Um, if you're in a guild and you. you're trying to make progression, like through hard tier difficulty content, usually 
you'll have like I don't want to say one of each, but you'll have two classes. Like you'll have your primary role and then your off role. So when I was running my guild in Star Wars: The Old Republic, like years ago, like four or five years ago, I was I was a DPS main, but I also had uh, like nightmare content on my healer class too. So you you kind of have to. Yeah, I did. I just I've got like a mental block with redoing content in a video game. I I, I guess the best way to explain it, it it'd be. It'd be like if you had a 5,000 uh, word report typed up and you forgot to save. And you got to do it again. <laughs> and all the progress got deleted and then yeah. you had to go and do it again. That's how I feel <laughs> when someone's like, hey, just just redo those four hours of gameplay with a new class. I'm like, no, yeah. fuck you. I, I don't want to go through some of that stress again because Outriders is a fucking bitch of a game, like a good bitch. Like it, it is a good challenge. I'd argue that Pyromancers is too squishy, especially for solo. But for the most part, I know why I'm dying. Yeah. Right? It's not one of, those, one of the games where you're sitting there like, what the fuck just killed me? Like, what <laughs> bullshit gameplay busted glitch just killed me? This is, hey, quit fucking running into a an area of 20 enemies like you're Arnold Schwarzenegger in Commando. Yeah. Just fucking play it the right way and you might progress. I think with... But I don't want to redo those hard moments I've yeah. already suffered through and stressed out over and beat. Yeah. With a game like that too, like I can't, like for me, I, I can't go back and play like replay single player games like i as much as i loved infamous second son which is probably one of the my favorite video games of all time it was an original release for ps4 i i'm i can't go back and play it like i just i I can't do that but for for some reason if it's an online game like outriders or like you can just do it over and over i I can do it i can i can sit there like you know at certain points in mmos all you have to do is get back online and do the same dungeon you did two days ago, or you do yeah. the same raid you did three days ago, and that's it. That's that's what the content. Yeah, loop that's is. A, I'm trying to think because I mean, especially when I grew up gaming, you had to play games over and yeah, over. Yeah, no, you because did. I mean, in Nintendo, for the most part, you weren't even beating them; they were so fucking hard. Yeah, so, so like it, you, you just had to keep playing. And it. I think that's kind of what threw me off of it is because like I would play, you know, Super Mario Brothers over. I would play Kirby over and over again i would play jackal over and over yeah. again and i think like having had you know having done Russian that, attack it's just like all right well now the that i have the warriors. ability to play multiple games <laughs> like yeah. fuck it i'm gonna i'm, I'm trying to, i think dude i think it might be i think the mass effect trilogy like each game is probably the last single player esque or, or the fucking halo games that i have replayed yeah uh halo games i've replayed those a ton i mean halo 2 halo 1 i've probably played halo 1 15 times uh halo 2 probably close to that halo 3 up there halo 4 once or twice halo 5 fuck that 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 one (laughs) i just stopped on one because i thought the story was pretty terrible but those are yeah those probably are the last single player s games that i could replay and actually enjoy i think and that's because i mean halo mass effect Big surprise. Science fiction with good stories. The last so that's time for me was Star Wars uh, Jedi Knight Jedi Academy. That was the last single player yeah, so that, story. That, I mean, we're talking decade plus. Yeah, that's a long time ago. And I did it because I wanted to play it through. You ba- The only choice you have in that game is like, obviously, like you skew light side or dark side, depending on like, you know, the actions that you take in, in the game and like the pot, the force powers that you use. 
but it doesn't affect the story. Really, I just wanted to play through with all three different lightsaber styles, single yeah. blade, double yeah. blade, and then dual building. Um, so that I played I hear it through three times. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Outriders, I might be able to do it just because, like I said, it, it, it just feels so good as a fucking shooter. Like, yeah. it, it does, it does kind of check that box of like, okay... I accomplished something by beating that checkpoint. It's not going to make me any fucking money, but <laughs> in my mind and in my soul, it made me feel good. Like I did something today. Yeah, so, yeah, all right. I like it. They put the little dings in there to help. All right, Nick, uh, before we move into <laughs> our star Wars topics, let's uh, pay off on the tease, man. Oh, how yes. did you almost die this weekend? Yeah. Let, let, let the listeners know <laughs> how I almost lost my Chewbacca yeah. <laughs> to a hiking incident. Nonetheless. Yes. So, um, Last week, Taylor and I went up to this West Texas, far West Texas town called Marfa, which is in the middle of nowhere. It's like a city. Marfan Mike. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a city in the middle of the West Texas desert. The closest other town to it is 35 miles away. And even that town did, is Did like you run a, into any people there and say, you guys aren't from around here, are no. you? So the town itself isn't like that because it's kind <laughs> of turned into kind of turned into a tourist attraction because it's considered like an art installation yeah. town. Um, back Those in damn the, liberals fucked up another city in Texas. Exactly. Back in the <laughs> 70s and 80s, there was a famous New York artist. His name was Donald Judd. He went out to Marfa and he built art installations. And ever since then, it's been a very popular place for artists who are looking to disconnect from big city life to kind of sit there and, and do their art and stuff like that. So... Uh, Taylor and I went up there. We were there from uh, we got there Thursday and we just got back yesterday, which is Monday, uh, Monday night this is a six hour drive for us from Austin to there. And um, so there's really not a lot to do. Once you get there, you just literally like you disconnect and then you just relax. Yeah, maybe murder um, somebody, murder somebody. You could do that. Actually, I'll tell you another <laughs> quick story after I tell you this one. Um, so one of the things that you can do is. There's Big Bend National Park that's about two and a half hours away from Marfa. Again, like once you head to Big Bend National Park, there is literally you pass through Valentine, Texas. Actually, you don't Whoa. pass through Valentine, but Valentine, Texas is 40, about 30 minutes outside of Marfa. And there's 217 people who live in it. That's the total population of Valentine, Texas. Um, and then when you're going to Big Bend, all you pass through is Terra Lingua, which is literally like it's a series of like houses that people have built that turned into a town. I, I think Tones is on to something here, Nick. You weren't you weren't squealing like a pig or anything, right? No, I mean, this isn't like. A... No, nothing <laughs> like a pig. Nothing like that. It was actually like the town <laughs> itself is mostly occupied now by like. Artists. And like shop yeah. owners and, and restaurateurs, like one of the restaurants that we ate at was a James Beard Award finalist. And I didn't know what that meant until Taylor told me, but apparently it's a very prestigious. It, it, it Yeah, it means good. Yeah, it's a very prestigious restaurant award. And like we so like, you know, in a, in a city of less than 2000 people, I think the, the population of Marfa in total is like 1500 people. Um, there's a James Beard Award finalist restaurant there. But anyway, we're going to Big Bend National Park and we get there and it's a it's a very beautiful desert landscape there's big mountain ranges canyons and stuff like that and it's right on the rio grande river so if you're in big bend and you cross the rio grande you're in mexico um so one of the one of the trails was did called, you see the wall 
been oh, yeah. paid for? I, I saw I saw the wall. I saw Donald was actually out there. He was looking at it, checking out a couple any, spots. Any of the kids using it as a seesaw? I've seen images of that. <laughs> that was pretty pretty crafty. Nothing like that, but I did see Border Patrol. Uh, Border Patrol agents uh, do kind of patrol around Marfa a lot. Um, but we were, so we were there. We were hiking the Santa Elena Canyon Trail, which is about a mile and a half either way, both ways. And, um, and it's a pretty, like, you know, you start off low, but then you, you literally climb up the side of a sheer cliff face and then you come back down. So we're coming back. We had already finished the trail. So we're going to, we're coming back the other way and it gets very narrow at certain points because you're on a cliff and, you know, one side of it is against the wall. And then the next, like the other side of the trail is literally like a downslope cliff face where you end if you fall off you're falling into the rio grande river um so we're walking back which puts us on the side that does not have the wall on it so usually when you're on these trails in the narrow passes like you when you're coming next to somebody you're supposed to stand behind whoever you're walking with so you don't take up too much space on the trail because you can only fit two people right next to each other on the trail so the people who are coming our way they're not lining up behind each other and that force and they're not stopping. So that forces me and Taylor to step off to the side of like the, the side that does not have the wall on it to try to let these people pass. So we step off to the side. I step off to the side and where I step, the trail gives way. <laughs> like Whoa. literally it's, it's like gravel nee. and it literally gives way. And I fall down the trail and <laughs> If it like Taylor had to like, like I caught myself for a moment because I technically fell twice. So like I like I fall and then I catch myself, but I try to move and it gives way again. So I start sliding further. So down. you're you're essentially recreating Obi-Wan Kenobi in the reactor pit in Naboo at this point, right? Like yeah. you're holding on for dear life. Yeah, I'm like my left arm is off. I have my right <laughs> arm. That's the only thing that's holding me up there. So Taylor has to like, when I slide again, like she reaches down and grabs me by, by my arm and then like her and me kind of pull, like I pull myself up with my right arm and she pulls me back up with my left. And the people who were, who like caused this to happen, didn't even try to help pull me up. Nah. Like they just, just like, stand oh, there. Sucks for him. <laughs> yeah. They just stand there. And I'm like, what the fuck? I mean, like they were probably in as much shock as I was because if I would have fallen it would I probably it would probably would have been the end of me. Like there it, it kind of like sloped for a little bit, but after that slope, it was literally a straight yeah, drop. You're you're, you're ragdolling down to the river. Yeah, exactly. And that would have been it. And like, like I actually <laughs> like it, it would have been pretty bad. But um luckily I got I made my way back up. I sprang like my, Wilhelm style scream yeah. bad. Like one of those types it of falls. It would have literally <laughs> been like the slow motion fall that you see, like with the camera. Yeah. <laughs> like the, exactly. Dude, it it was like, and in the moment that it happened, like I didn't actually know what was happening. Like it's one of those moments where, like, yeah, it happens so quickly that like you don't even well, thank, really. Thank have God to- Taylor knows how to deadlift, man. Yeah. She probably just you know dropped the squat and fucking heaved your ass. Yeah, out she of just there. pulled me right back up and like did, did did clean and jerk with Nick's whole body. He's like, <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> but uh, I hurt my ankle pretty bad. So like after that, obviously you what have. The, did you say anything to the guy? Were you like, hey, fuck face? No. I or, mean, or were you like in such shock that you're just like, I, you know, you're all you're all jacked up on adrenaline. You just kind of let it dude, go. That's that's pretty much how it was. Like I got back up and like when I like when we when we had already gotten to the point to where like I was kind of back up, like he tried to like lean over and like help me back up a little bit. Oh, you should have reached up and just, <laughs> just pulled him over, him like over. one of those movie moves where he's coming to help you, and you just you use his his weight and yeah. the leverage moving forward, just yeah. rip him off, flip him over me. I mean, that's as like I mean, I sit here, I, I always love playing Tommy Tough guy, but I'd be like, dude, I would have got up and grabbed the guy and just fucking thrown him off, dude. It was it was crazy, but it was kind of like you said, is like I had so much adrenaline and I was still in shock because like I didn't yeah. really understand. Like how far I, how close I had come to like actually to falling off. Yeah. Cause right. it's not like I just stumbled and like, you know, kind of knelt over and, and fell onto the trail. Like I fell off of the trail. Yeah. No, you were hanging. Yeah. And, um, so I got up and like, I'm still kind of in shock. The adrenaline's going and like, I know that my ankles hurt, but it hasn't started hurting yet. So I was like, my, my next thought was like, I got up and I just started going. I was like, we have Did you to have any shit in your pants. Nope, I did not That's poop good. or pee myself, but I cut my leg up. Like, my legs basically cut up from my knee all the way down to my ankle. Yeah. And I was just like, we have to get uh, off the trail before I can't walk. Yeah, I'm assuming you guys are like, all right, no more fucking hiking for the rest of yeah. this trip. I mean, it was unfortunate because, like like I said, it was like a two and a half hour drive there. We got there, we did one trail, and then this happened. Yeah. So it really fucked up the whole trip. But, like... Even like, so we get back to the car and like at that point, my ankle's still feeling okay. But we get back, like when we get back to Marfa, which is a two and a half hour drive, I get out of the car and I walk 50 feet and I just can't, like my ankle is completely fucked. And I'm like trying to just push through it. I'm like, whatever, I'll be fine. It's only a two block walk. Give me some whiskey. Yeah. I was like, I was like, we want to go to this shop. We want to go to this shop anyway. Let's just go. And Taylor's like, nope. So she goes back, gets my truck, pulls it around. And then she's like, we're going home. And like, even now it's still kind of sore, like walking up my stairs and stuff. But, um, so well, yeah, there you go. Almost there was his there. brush, brush with death. And then also he's back, I met a celebrity there. Yeah. Unknowingly. So like I said, it was like a, it's a, it's a town of artists, like, you know, but a lot of, it's just people that go there to like, they write their book or they're, you know, they're doing their, their particular art style. Um, so we, we ordered from a barbecue shop. And when we go pick it up, I see like we get our food and we're walking out. We're walking back towards my truck and I see somebody walk by and I think it's Emilio Estevez. Like, like I almost like and I made eye contact with him and like he made eye contact with me. And there was a moment that like he could tell that I recognized him. Yeah. But like we're both wearing masks and it's hard to tell. And I kind of blew it off because I'm like, dude, I'm in the middle of nowhere. Like, there's, it's highly unlikely right. that he's here. But, like, I know what he looks like so well because as a kid, I watched Mighty Ducks over and over and over again. I was going to say, man, he just he has that new the series, new series dropping on D+. Plus. Yeah. He's probably going there to fucking chill to out. To disconnect. So like, I was, so, like, I see him there, I, I kind of blow it off. And then on Sunday, Taylor and I are, again, just wandering around the town because there's not much to do. And there's, like, an art supply store that's down like this little alleyway so we decide we're like taylor wants to go like all right let's just go check it out there's nothing else to do so we turn that corner and he's there like looking through the window 
and like trying to open the door and it's closed because it's Easter Sunday and then Marfa shit just opens and closes whenever people feel like opening and yeah, closing. Right. And so he's walking back and instead of saying like, hey, are you Emilio Estevez? I just asked him like, hey, is it closed? And my my justification was is like, if I hear his voice, I will know it's because he has a very distinctive right. voice. Yeah. And he says, he's like, yep, it says 10 to 6, but they're closed. And as soon as he said, it, I was like, that's him 100%. <laughs> She'd be like, yo, did you get any of your brother's tiger's blood? You have any, know, did right? your brother leave any crack at your house? But, uh, and that was it. So I was just like, all right, thanks. And then just kept walking by. It was crazy. Like in the middle of the West Te- Texas desert in this town that is yeah. literally nobody. That's no, cool. Emilio. No, Emilio, I mean, he's huge. 80s, 90s. I mean, really 80s was his, yeah. his heyday of, of acting. Yeah kind of flamed out after that but i mean when i when i saw that new mighty duck show pop up i was like i'll, I'll definitely watch it. i was a huge fan i of watched the first episode so far i thought it was pretty cool i think i like yeah, i like not, the way that they're setting it up so i'll continue to watch they, it they, it can't hold a candle to no. um falcon and winter soldier no, but, no. but different that's people. some good shit that show is some good shit man yeah. but i guess we should talk some star wars oh speaking of star wars my uh derpy fet showed up those in the community will know what i'm talking about this is the new deluxe Return of the Jedi Black Series Boba Fett that has some severe quality issues, Nick. Oh, no. Uh, I know I'm on black <laughs> and whites, and I've, I've, I've corrected the helmet, but uh, this dude, literally, Nick, he comes with, it looks like someone took Boba Fett's helmet and pinched it to his jaw, so it like, kind of angled down. <laughs> So that that was fun. And that's like everybody. I mean, basically, you buy a new toy and you have to melt its head in boiling water to fix it oh to start. My God. Um, but I mean, once you fuck around with it, it's not a bad looking fet, even though it is the bozo uh, version of the character. Uh, it, it's quite a poseable figure. You got these nice rubber shoulder pauldrons and stuff so you can get really high uh, shoulder lifts. Uh, but I just think it's funny that a, a company just mass distributes products with a clear uh, design flaw. I mean, yeah. it just looked like a, you know, it's like the, the Walmart version of the cosplay helmet. Oh, God. They're just fucking squished together. But hey, here we go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Everyone here is uh, reminiscing in the chat, at least, about uh, Emilio's career. You got the Young Guns. Young Guns. Uh, I loved gar- Garbage Men. That was hilarious, right? That was him and his brother, wasn't it? Yeah. Wasn't it Charlie yeah, and Emilio? Sure Charlie Sheen was in it too, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it really, I mean, outside, and Charlie, if you listen to him now, I mean, he's the first one to tell you when he went nuts, he fucked up. He's like, yeah, I, I don't know what the fuck I was doing. Yeah. I mean, he he pissed away like a, what was he making, like 15 to 20 million a year on that show? Oh, yeah. He pissed the, that away. The, the two and a half men? Yeah, he was. Basically so made himself un, unhirable. Yeah. Uh, and he now definitely uh, regrets all that. But man, it's just funny how crazy those, the one brother is absolutely fucking nuts. The other one, Emilio, seems to, you know, he, he, he had his day. He made some money. He had his fame. He's a sheen. Yeah. But then he just kind of disappeared and he, lived a life. Right now, he's just doing like direct, like. For a while, he was like a director, like he would direct indie movies and stuff like that. But yeah, now, I mean, obviously he's made his way back into relative fame with the the new series on Disney Plus. Mighty Ducks Game Changers is what it's called. Yeah. So, all right. Well, there you go. There's there's a (laughs) day in the life of these two assholes. But uh, let's get into Star Wars stuff. We don't have a ton, so I don't know how long we're going to go. But we do have a special topic, like I said. 
what pisses George Lucas off? We're kicking it off today. Maybe we'll bring it back down the road, but due to the uh, the mix up with with Natalie, we, we we decided, hey, let's try one of our special topics. But before we get there, a few ach- actual Star Wars stories to talk about. And, and this first one is just a PSA for you, uh, Republic Commando homers out there. But the game is now available as of today, April six, on PS4 and Nintendo Switch. My advice would be to uh, maybe put it in your your wish list uh, if you're on the switch or a playstation 4 i think you can do the same thing and sit and wait for a sale i do not think this game is a 15 top 15 rebuy yeah um i'd be waiting for the the good old 10 dollar or 7.99 price point yeah um for republic commando but it is available today if you're hardcore if you're spencer <laughs> and you know you want to get them tattooed on your face you can download it today via the nintendo switch or playstation 4 for a cool 15 dollars yeah it's uh, nice. sticking with some star wars game news though we got some i, I don't know how you want to slice this i'm starting to I, I guess i will describe it as concerning news about lego star wars blah blah <laughs> who be scooby-doo okay <laughs> Um, I, I'm trying to say Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga, uh, which, by the way, has been delayed again. Yeah. And, and this time it's basically just like indefinite delay. Yeah, it's I mean, like, we'll get it done when it's done. It. I mean, Nick, are we three years in at, the, at this point in this game, right? Is it three years? I think so. I mean, like it was announced... I mean, like it was officially announced. I, it might be two years. Maybe it's two. I know it's at least two because I, I, it was announced at an E3 and it might. Yeah, it was probably E3 2019, yeah. right? To the lead up to the Skywalker saga, it would have made sense. Well, it's now almost E3 2021. The game's been delayed multiple times. It's supposed to come out in 2020. It didn't come out. Uh, I think it was supposed to come out in fucking 2019. I mean, you'd think if they're making the Skywalker Saga collection game that they would have timed it with the end of, of the Skywalker nine. Saga. But yeah. hey, whatever. That's neither here nor there. But uh, at this point, Lego Star Wars, Star Wars, the Skywalker Saga. I mean, that's like a tongue twister. Yeah, that is. A Lego baga, 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 at least if you're a moron. Uh, but uh, here's the deal. And you're, you're going to get two schools of thought on this and and I can agree with one to a point but we're talking about a Lego game that's what I want to preface this with all right cuz a lot of people are are drawing the comparison to Cyberpunk 2077 be like see this is good this is good I'm like okay yeah that's that's generally it is but Cyberpunk I would imagine in its first level or two has more complex code than the entire Lego Star Wars Skywalker saga put together yeah it's it's one of those- I mean, let's be real, Nick. What, what could be under the hood of Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga that is so goddamn complex that they can't get it tweaked yeah. to the point of it being playable? I just don't understand, like, what would... Like, you already had six of the games made. <laughs> like, you already had the original trilogy and you already had the prequel trilogy games made, so you would figure that it would just take some, like, stitching and then some some like cross like crossover right. moments uh, between dude, even if you're other- recreating moments it's a fucking 3d lego game yeah. that you can't really lose at like it, it, it's not procedurally generating these dynamic worlds and hundreds of npcs that you could interact with or shoot or the cops are coming it's a fucking lego game yeah. i love fucking lego games i don't actually like to fuck them with my penis 
I like playing them because they're fun. They're cheeky. They're, they're easy to use. You know, I mean, you can play them with kids. You don't die, but that's my point. Like how complex has this Lego franchise of video games gotten that this game needs multiple delays. Like this isn't just the first one. We're, we have now moved into at least the second or third. Yeah. And this one seems indefinite. It seemed like, the game was supposed to release in 2000 in, in October of 2020. And then I think it was even supposed to release before that. There was another delay before that. But um, that's what I mean. I think this is the third one. And, and here's the statement. All right. So I mean, this comes right from uh, TT Games. All of us at TT Games are working hard to make Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker Saga, the biggest and best ever Lego game. But we're going to need more time to do it. We won't be able to make our intended spring release date, but we'll provide updated launch timing as soon as possible. So like I said, it is it is indefinitely delayed at this point. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't su- be surprised if this is going to be delayed until like, holiday uh, holiday at 21 point. at this point yeah i think that that's probably the earliest you're gonna get it is holiday 21 given the fact that they're like we're not telling you when the game's coming out um so, so i guess a, a, a kind of a, a tangent to take this one down do you think this has anything to do with potential changes to content because of well no it wouldn't even matter because this is all skywalker yeah this stuff. isn't going to be mandalorian related so it has nothing to do with think with, it's going to take care of care of bomb and all those idiots yeah so. no, no unless there was like like some sort of mini crossover that was planned for mandalorian content or clone wars or something like that no i think it's purely skywalker yeah. saga so the the nine films so yeah, yeah. that's a stupid I don't, point I don't to think even so. make i don't think it's going to be any of that I, I th- it's just what's going on here dude i mean what d- like is it that much more difficult to render a 3d lego character now are they getting too cute it seems like is a it lot too of big these... i mean this game better be 200 hours long at this point it seems like a, there's I, I mean i would have to go back and track and look and, and and see but like there's always it seems like there's always delays when new console releases happen and i don't know if it's because you know, the the developers of these games that that are planning to release them on new generation consoles are like they have to adjust quickly after their stability changes made to the to like the PS5 and the Xbox series, whatever one you have. And like that causes delays or if there's or if like the development environment that was on the dev kit is actually functions differently on the on I the main console. But, but still, I mean, it- it, just like out um, Outriders or Cyberpunk, they're not going to completely scrap development to make a next gen version. They're 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 going to you know make they're going to pretty it up as much as they can, but they're not going to build a base next gen console build of this game. It's yeah. it's going to be it's going to be ported just like Cyberpunk was, and still doesn't have its next gen patch. Outriders looks and plays pretty damn well on the new consoles, but you can tell it, it was not designed specifically just for the new hardware. So I think you have a point. I think maybe, yeah, the, the new consoles are coming out. We need time to doctor up the new console version. So they look slightly better than the old ones. It's just, I don't know. It's curious that this game keeps getting delayed when it should be pretty cut and dry. You're telling retelling the, 
the nine stories of the Skywalker saga. Yeah, you could, you know, plop Ray into A New Hope and uh, Vader into the sequel trilogy, but you've been able to do wonky character combinations in Lego games since the Lego franchise of gaming started. So I don't know. And, and, and I might be in a complete dickwad. I get it. I, I'd much rather them work on the game and, and uh, ensure it releases as pristine as possible. But I just question a game of this nature, which to me should not be as complex as a cyberpunk or an Outriders. Yeah. What the fuck is happening? Yeah, I, I really yeah, I have no idea. I mean, all the content that you need is already out there. It's not like, you know, they were trying to get clearly they were trying to, you know, they did. They weren't trying to get it out for the Tross release. So it's not that's not a problem. It has to be something to do with the actual functionality of the game at this point. Like they, they, right. they had to either have messed up module builds that don't connect well, because that's something that can happen if you're like developing certain things or certain pieces of a game in a vacuum and then trying to just connect it to mash the- them together. Well, that, that kind of Nick, you're touching on Connor's point here in the live chat. Apparently Connor is in game design. Uh, And he's bringing up a good point. You know, with the pandemic, a lot of these uh, developers had to send their workforce home. Yeah. uh, With remote rigs, which playing into Nick's point, if you've if you have your entire workforce at home where before you could you could test, you could you could quality assurance shit right in the office. You could yell over a cube like, hey, Nick, your code sucks, dickhead. Yeah. Send me the patch real quick. And he he could just do it. Now, I, I, I bet the. Uh, the the change to their workflow workflow probably led to at least one of these delays, but uh, it, it's it sounded like th- this game's been, uh, I guess we can't call it clunky, but the but its development process has been chaotic at best. Yeah. I, I would say from uh, it had to have been worked on early 2019 or 2018 to even have a a reel to show off at E3. Uh, so I, I'd say this game is at least three years deep. Yeah. At least three years deep at this point. It also depends on how they were tackling this too. Like if they were basically trying to, one, there, there's two ways they could have done it. Like basically make three games and then remaster six to where you're, you know, remastering the the old Lego games that had already been made and then tying them in with the three new sequel trilogy games or... Are you building nine Lego games from no, I the think it's up? it's option B. I'm I'm almost positive that this is they're not they're not in, uh, reincorporating any assets from the previous Lego Star Wars yeah. games. Like I, I, I do think uh episodes four, five, six, one, two, and three are all gonna be freshly made for this. Yeah. And if game, that's the not, case not not really resemble what we saw before. Yeah. And if that's the case, then you have to imagine that like I mean, each one of those games, you know, episodes four, five, and six all were released as individual games. Like, so you you essentially have to build nine games for one, which can cause a lot of issues. And then, yeah, you know, that that in itself is a huge challenge. Plus adding in all of the cross stitching that you're doing with, like you said, you know, Ray being able to jump timelines or whatever is going to happen in the game. There's, so there there can be some complexity, probably not to the degree, the degree like you were talking about with Cyberpunk, where there's so many different dynamic interactions and stuff like that. But you do still have a lot of moving pieces and stuff like that that you have to deal with. So, I mean, I'm I'm of the mindset that like 
with games, any delay is a good delay. Like, you know, obviously for Cyberpunk, that didn't work out because <laughs> it doesn't see. It seems like no matter how much they would have delayed that, that game, that follow up article I sent you in our chat. There's you know there's, how we were, last week we were talking about the forty fucking gig patch. Well, apparently that introduced its own boatload of new glitches. Yeah, and shit, so. dude, it's just like that game. Oh, I feel like game. Cyberpunk could have been delayed until twenty, like until twenty twenty two, and you still would have had problems because it's yes. just the 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 breath of that game and all of the different features that are in it. You put you in a situation to where like anything that you do is going to cascade effect everything else that you do. So if you fuck up one thing, then that one thing is going to fuck up other things. And it's just like a cascade of failures and problems. I mean, at this point, it's like, I'm not even expecting the game to be fully patched and playable at any point before I finish it. So yeah, I'm just, just like, it is what it is. Yeah, it's just, I'm playing it as is and I'll finish it as is. And, you know, if, if they can fix things before I finish it, then nice. But if they can't, then I'm I'm not going to sit there. And I will go back it. to Cyberpunk. I, I've sunk too much time in not to finish it, but I am waiting for that fucking next gen patch. Uh, it, it may never come. Yeah, it, whatever. It could be the, the, the dragon I always chase, but I, I'm waiting for it. Uh, either way, you know, I got I got Outriders right now and I got Game Pass. So when I really want to fucking, you know, start feeling my testosterone boiling and flowing through the body, I'll throw on some Doom Eternal and just be like, yeah, fucking kill the machines <laughs> of Satan. Uh, that game is like the epitome of FPS, just fucking hyper chaos. Yeah. Love Doom Eternal. And I think Outriders kind of captures some of that. Uh, the intern said it the best. <laughs> I was trying to describe to the intern about how intense Outriders is by by describing it to Doom Eternal. He's like, I find that hard to de- hard to believe because when I was playing Doom Eternal, I always felt like I was being chased by the cops. <laughs> like, you just had that feeling like uh, you, you can take no breaks and, and both games kind of uh, uh, buy into that mantra. And I think that's why I like him, even though I am the pussy that every once in a while loves uh, playing a game on uh, the dopey difficulty or uh, brain dead difficulty. I'm I'm fine. Sometimes I like a challenge. Sometimes I like it easy to just enjoy the story in the world. There you go. Uh, all right. So there you go. I mean, uh, of course, we'll update you when it comes out. I mean, it is a game I still would like to play. I think it'd be fun to play with the little one. She is five now. She's all grown up, moving on. We'll be out of the house in a few days. Um, but we'll, we'll keep you aware of what's going on with Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga and it's, it's trials and tribulations of development. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever it comes out, we'll let you guys know. could be a year yeah, from we'll, now. We'll let you, we'll let you know. I, yeah. I wouldn't hold your breath. Yeah. Like I said, I think, I think Nick's right. Probably a late October, November type of release at this point. Yeah. All right, th- this next one, Nick, is is kind of a PSA deal, but I mean, maybe we'll talk a little bit about ILM. Uh, last week they released kind of a, it was like a, I think a seven or eight minute BTS reel of the work that ILM performed on The Mandalorian Season 2. And while I know we did get the, you know, the, uh, was it the Disney, Disney Gallery? gallery breakdown which is great i mean covers the whole season in an hour or so this was specifically for like the vfx work the 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 digital stuff and if you're on if you're on the live stream i think one of the most interesting things and especially for those of you that are into photography toy photography and some of the tricks you can do with a camera and backdrops but if you're on the live stream nick the the image lead for this post 
that trick of and we're talking about the scene in episode three of season two where uh, din is on the canopy of the razor crest with the other mandalorians and they're all sitting there uh, plotting out their heist of that um, remnant ship and of course when we're watching it it looks like they're standing on the fucking razor crest and you know the, the the port city's fully realized but in this video you actually got to see that they were standing the on the only, razor crest <laughs> yeah the only thing that is real is the canopy yeah the razor crest itself is actually at an angle, like a curved angle. It's wing. Yeah. So when they're filming it, the wing is actually pointing out like almost 90 degrees from the chassis of the ship. But because of the technology, because of camera trickery and all that fun shit, when we look at it as, as dumb humans, it looks like one cohesive shot of a big ass spaceship. Yeah. But in reality, it's a curved screen with the front of it built and yeah really just one half of the front yeah it's um, it's pretty amazing what you can do in the volume because it does allow you to to essentially do what you would have to do in like post with vfx work oh, <coughs> right yeah. there on stage like you don't have to worry about like oh here's the green screen somebody will tie it in exactly look, right? like it's and the other thing they're saying that i think our, our toy photographers will will appreciate uh, you know, it's something we, we are always challenged with. You'd be challenged in, in any type of medium where you, you need light. Uh, but the fact on the volume that you can instantly match the light to the scene using an iPad like we can with our Philips Hue or, or some of our LoomCube gear. We just, you know, oh, I want it. I want it Aqua 9000 and you get Aqua 9000 uh, and, and how that just creates a. Uh, an imaginative place to tell these stories. Uh, so it's just, it, it's a cool video to watch if you're into the behind the scenes stuff. Uh, it, yeah. And it may like bat saying, I mean, one of these days, maybe, maybe some of these toy photographers, toy photographers will start building their own little volumes. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the technology I believe you could use. I know they've, they've, uh, probably, uh, they've kind of made an IP out of it now and they call it stagecraft. Uh, but some of the the unreal stuff I think you could do now. I mean that that cinematic captures guy on IG and YouTube that's making those crazy ass lifelike CG videos. I know he's using some of the technology that they do. But yeah, I mean, could you imagine having a volume for toy photography or any any type of photography? Dude, you can. I mean, there are some relative like really big curved monitors now for PCs at this point where you could probably start to do it to that scale already. Um, I don't know what you would, I mean, like, obviously you would have to get pretty creative with your 3d, like what you're using as your background. Like you said, maybe if you're savvy and unreal, you can build stuff like that or even just, yeah, like, it's something know. where I, I know the software talks to the camera, the yeah. camera to the software, and it can actually move the images dynamically on that wall. I mean, they went into a section on episode five and how they created that forest and how it was literally just a screen that would kept replicating and moving to make it look like you had all those uh, fucking trees out there. Um, so it, it's, I don't know. It was, it's a really cool video if you're into filmmaking or if you're just into creating stuff. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know we, we have our version of the volume in toy photography, the digiramas and whatnot, but the shit and the images that these people can cook up in a rounded stage with curved screens, 
with the help of computers. I'm sitting here going like, fuck, I should have stayed in IT. Because <laughs> yeah. they interview, they literally interview an IT manager who now works on the fucking Mandalorian <laughs> to keep all the shit working. Yeah. Think about that. I mean, think about the opportunities now. I mean, you could just be a straight IT geek and have a prominent role in filmmaking. Yeah. Before it was just like, hey, can you, did you get the fucking dailies uploaded to the file server, you asshole? Now you now need- it's like, yo, the volume's broke. You are the hero. Fix yeah, it. You have so. to fix this. Nobody else can. <laughs> we need a literal computer expert to do this. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, it, it is pretty incredible what they've been able to build. And the fact that it works so seamlessly, you know, I like you would have you would have never been able to convince me that like, oh, yeah, you can just do it with screens like big screens and just project the picture up on the back and it'll look exactly like it does if you were to fully build out and render it in, you know, a 3D software. But they it's, you yeah, can. It's wild. It's absolutely wild. Yeah. And just like listen to the directors and how they by the time they get to set, they feel like they're just doing like a pickup shot because they've they've already walked on the set through the virtual reality. They've already set up the camera positions and the blocks. It's just, I don't know, it's wild shit. And it's like, you, you sit there, and I'll talk about this again once we get to what pisses off George Lucas. Mm-hmm. But you sit there and go like, what would this man be doing right now with yeah. all these toys? Like, would he be going further down the rabbit hole and pushing it like he was doing with the the prequels or would he just be utilizing it and try to tell some of the visions he was never able to get out of his mind due to the limits in tech when he was still uh filmmaking but i don't know it's just it's fantastic shit and of course ilm is the one behind you know kind of championing it pushing it as they've done for literally decades at this point in time i mean the the advancements that ilm and other offshoots of, of George's operation when he still ran the show have fundamentally changed how movies are made, how they look, how they sound. And of course, for us, how we experience the sound and the visuals and whatnot. I know THX has kind of gone away uh, because of Dolby Atmos and all that shit, but he was even back then pushing that THX certification of quality sound. Like you can't say you have a THX theater unless George Lucas fucking says so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's that was his real contribution. Like, yeah, he was a great uh, story builder and conceptor and, and, you know, world builder with Star Wars. But like his his everlasting effect will be on like, you know, how he advanced filmmaking right. in terms of a technical aspect. Yeah. I mean, he'll go down in history for his his storytelling. I mean, it, it, like I said, Star Wars is is your next uh, Iliad and the Odyssey. It's something people will be reading about if we're still around, which I, I don't think we're going to make it that minute. Uh, humans might have another century at best, <laughs> at, at best. Um, but yeah, I mean, his stories are definitely living forever, but his technology fundamentally changed how movies are produced, the yeah. costs of producing movies. I know a lot of his uh, contemporaries hate digital but he's the one that kind of pushed that medium. I remember, and there might be some of you that were video files or really into this shit, but when Attack of the Clones was was gonna was being shot in digital and it was going to release in digital for the first time in a movie, you could go see a digital fucking movie. It, I, me and Stunt Boy, we drove all around 
like three different states to try to get to see Attack of Clones in digital, to see it on the an Omni IMAX screen. <laughs> I mean, George was always pushing those boundaries, and sometimes he was probably doing it a bit too early. But without people like him, you then don't get the cascade of change down the road to mm-hmm. where you end up using full green screen sets, his idea, to the volume, yeah. which is just a modernization of what he was doing with the prequels. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, cool video. It's like eight minutes long, seven minutes long. Give it a watch. It's on our StarWarsTime.net post. So hit that up and then the video is right there in the ILM post on it. So and uh, go watch that. And then we, we have another video playing right now. Yeah. And that is the, uh, the leaked video of the Kenobi set, which I find to be hilarious. Yeah. I mean, just um, just a guy, literally, you can see him. He's like in a truck driving around <laughs> just like with his phone out the window. This guy doesn't care no. care about his career at all. No, I mean. So what what we're talking about? Like if you if you've missed this, you're you're clearly not a dope like us, and and you're you you focus most of your life on Star Wars. But I think it was over the weekend because Kenobi, we know it's shooting right now. Like April, they're there. The sets up as we can see in this video. Uh, but over the weekend, uh, someone on the crew, it has to be someone on the crew. You don't get this access unless you have access to the set. Yeah. I mean, this isn't even like through a, a fence or anything. This is driving on the fucking Kenobi set itself, holding out his phone, doing a TikTok, chasing some social media clout, and, and has clearly got it. But, you know, what, what? that guy's career death wish aside, because, I, I mean, come <laughs> on, dude. Like... This has to be someone attached to the project, right? Yeah, I would imagine so, for sure. You don't don't get this access. Like, you you don't see uh, the sun over in the UK flying a helicopter over to set to get a picture. This is someone that could spit on the Tatooine buildings that have been erected. Yeah. Um, So good for that guy. I mean, he's fucking risky as hell, but good for us because apparently... And we'll get back to the video, but I, I updated it today. But apparently the, the, this TikToker has pledged to keep doing more of these videos. And he even let loose that there is going to be a nighttime fight scene in Kenobi. So there's a spoiler for you. You heard it here first. We didn't come up with it, but we are reporting it. We're running with it on the SWTS. There is going to be a fighting scene at night, and you didn't hear it from Vladinator, who is the TikToker here. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he I says, mean, that's if I don't magically disappear. disappear. Yeah. So, I mean, th- this person knows that they're, they're, they're you know, kind of skating on thin ice. Very at this possibly point. could get fired. I mean, like, I, I don't know if, you know, what this guy's job is, but like you said, it this level of access, he has to be on the crew. You would imagine that it's, since he's in a truck like that, it's probably like stage crew. He's probably not like, you know, working with the, the writers or directors or, or, or camera crew or anything like that. This feels almost like, almost like a stage maintenance kind of thing. But I, I, it's hard to tell exactly what this person does, but clearly they have as much access as, as you can get. <laughs> um, and I know it's, that it's, it's absolutely insane. Yeah. It really is. And I know that you, um, said in the post like you know it's it's crazy that they have this big of a practical set without like when you have the volume and i think yeah so what, what do you think about that because yeah. like people if you haven't seen the video yet hit up starwarstime.net give it a give it a watch it's like a, a minute long he even sets it to the to the canteen, the canteen music. music yeah <laughs> um but as nick's saying i mean dude it is a 
So almost like I mean, a full it, it could be city. it could be full on most icely yeah. recreated. I mean, it, it's not just a building or two or or a building and a corner and an exterior. I mean, it, there are I'd say there's at least what six or seven full structures, if not more. Yeah. So I think, and I mentioned this when we talked about the Andor leaks last week. I think for situations like where they do need to build out full sets, it's probably because there's a lot of motion throughout a city. Like and it, just probably lots of extras. Yeah. Like it's going to be a full on city scene. Yeah. Really large scale extras in. and stuff like that. Like you can't really pull off, you know, walking through a city in the volume because you're all, you're, you're pretty much like, I mean, I'm sure you can to a degree, but like you can't like walk in a building and walk out. Or you can't like walk down a yeah you you couldn't have continuous yeah, shots continuous basically. motion with extras like you said kind of you know if somebody's like standing out in front of a building or this turns into like a market you know where you have like pop up shot like shops and stuff like that people are trying to haggle sell stuff and you know it could be a scene like that uh, you need fully built sets for it but it is. I mean, it is impressive to see the size of this set. Like, in, in now, Nick, do you think that mind. this is just one specific set used for a specific location, or will they, you know, obviously with some trickery and different camera angles, is this like the the main outdoor set that it could serve as Obi Wan's home? It could serve as the Lars homestead. It could serve as mm -hmm. a, a cantina. Or, or do you think it's one cohesive location? Like all so, the buildings are, are one place versus you got Obi-Wan's hut, you got the Lars hut. It wouldn't surprise me if like, you know, we, we can only see what this guy recorded, but it wouldn't surprise me if like, you know, 50 feet off to one side, like secluded enough, you have like a model of Obi-Wan's hut that's built there and they use that. Um, I feel like this in particular, because of the, the size of a lot of these buildings, it would be hard to like, move them to like rearrange them to make like a different location but yeah right. maybe with like you know segmented camera like you're only looking at this side of the set or you're only looking at this side of the set you can make it seem like very different locations um if you're not do you do you think just because of of the i mean you got the nostalgia and the history and I don't know if Tross went there too, but do you think they'll do anything in Tunisia at the old Lars set? I don't think so. Um, or, or like, I do, do you, I, I mean, I, I guess we should have looked this up. You know how at the end, Ray Skywalker, all that jazz, she goes there, slides down the hill. Was that Tunisia? Like did JJ and them go there or did they build that for I him think, to use? I think that might've been in Jordan. Cause I know that a lot of Tross was filmed in Jordan. Um, I don't know. I, I can try to look it up to see if they, if it was in Tunisia, but at this point, like if you were going to go to Tunisia for just that, you would have to hire, you know, a Tunisia crew. Uh, that's your, what I mean. Like, all yeah, of the it'd stuff be, it'd be ridiculous it. unless they're just doing it for that level of authenticity, which yeah. when you are a Disney or Lucasfilm and you bleed billions, you probably could make the excuse. I just, I feel like we're, we're going to see the Lars homestead. And I even think we may get the old, the iconic looking down into the pit view yeah. that we've seen at Lars homestead. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, I, I, we could get like the, the kitchen table view. Um, but I, I didn't see anything that was Lars-ish Lar in this leaked video. That This, to me, did seem like more of one of these cities uh, that would be on Tatooine. Yeah, I don't think... Um, I don't think that the, you're going to end up in in Tunisia. Like, even... Yeah, so I'm looking at 
the filming locations for Tross, and even it seems like they didn't even go to Tunisia, at least from what it says on IMDb. Now, granted, like there could be may may not have everything, but it seems like for Tross, it was it was literally you were in Jordan, and then you were in the UK. You were in. Okay. You were doing. Yeah, that's what sets. that's what Bad is saying in here. He thinks it was England, so I guess yeah. that was a a set. Yeah, so uh, I I would imagine that that they're gonna stick to LA, and then they'll just do set set up like this because it's just especially now during like you're still COVID time, getting permits is probably harder. You're gonna have to get a whole new well, crew. Well, you guys don't have COVID in Texas anymore, though, right? No, it's all gone. Okay, good. Yeah, I got to make sure sometimes. Like we're clear over here in the United States, every state has different. Yeah, um, COVID. Nick no longer has COVID in Texas (laughs) uh, because they lifted all the mandates. So lucky Nick. Yeah. (laughs) So it's uh yeah it's one of those things where we we, so you're thinking I I too I I, I'm thinking for Kenobi they have this set and then they had the volume and that's probably about it. Yeah, that's what I think too. I think that they'll have like this practical. There's probably other buildings that you don't see too. Like he just seems like he just kind of did a circle and then they'll, they'll use the volume for a lot of. Right. And and it looked like a lot of these have, I mean, they're, they're your usual movie sets. So you you mostly just flesh out the front and then the interior is no real back, but then you have an interior. So I don't know. I mean, I'll definitely be keeping my, my eye out on the Vladinator here (laughs) to see, to see what else uh, he he comes up with, or if he does uh, magically disappear like he has uh, kind of self owned in in one of his latest updates. But I, I'll tell you what, I'm a, I'm a fan of what I saw. I I I love practical. I also like digital. I, I'm not one or the other. I mean, as long as it doesn't look completely off and take me out of the universe, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but anything. It, 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 Star Wars, especially Nick, and I think it's, you know, it's my connection to the OT. Practical is usually the best, right? Mm-hmm. Practical yeah. is usually the best. And, and I think the volume has given us the uh, perfect, the balance. ultimate, the most ideal marriage of practical in, in VFX exactly. you could possibly want. And the crazy thing is, we know it's only going to get more impressive. Yeah. Just I mean- like we've. Look at what was happening in 99, 2000. Look what's happening just 20 years later. I mean, it's, it's night and day. Yeah. Uh, so when we're dead in 2040 and, and they're, they're making movies on like pin cameras with <laughs> hollow sets. Yeah. You heard it here first. Yeah. So, uh, keep your eyes out, I guess. In a, in a month. Yeah, That's right. The guy... COVID is gone in Florida as well. So yeah. Lucky Florida and lucky Texas. Yeah. But yeah, he's right. Did you see that? I guess they have so much toxic sludge in Florida now. It's, it's going to leak that they're just pumping 30 million gallons of it into the Gulf. Yeah. Or, no, into Tampa Bay. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, animals. We know you were here first, but fuck you. We're humans. Yeah. What a. <laughs> what bastards. What a. Yeah. What a state. Um, yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll check back in a month to see if this guy actually gets us this fight scene. But uh, I I don't know, man. I, I like I said, I feel like this guy is is chasing some social media clout, and he he got his first fix. Uh, if he's not already dead, I, I think there's a good chance this guy could be in in every week or every other week type of uh, leak dropper. But I just don't see how this continues. I mean, this yeah, that, that, this is the most egregious leak that that Disney has had. With the Disney Plus stuff, I mean, yeah. yeah, 
you have to argue that Bad Robot had a leak problem because TFA and Tross essentially fully leaked. Yeah, well, that was like, the, the Tross one was literally John. <laughs> it was Boyega yeah, leaving I mean, the, his script the, in a hotel room. Yeah, the the Tross leak was straight up word for word. I mean, I, I knew the exact movie going into it, and I think that's probably why I don't like it as as much as Nick ended up. I just it ruined everything. Uh, but th- this is a serious breach for them. Uh, I haven't seen anything of this nature. I mean, yeah, we- we've seen Mando sets, but it's from hundreds of yards away with like shitty telephoto zoomed in shit. Yeah. And or, yeah, I mean, you're getting those helicopter or drone shots. But that's not like this somebody, is, who, this is somebody who works there. <laughs> yeah. Yes. This is someone that signed a document that probably said, I will be fired and or have to pay a fine if I leak shit and they did it anyways, it's yeah. like, all right, have Dude, at it. It's, it's so weird. It's so weird, but, uh, I'm, yeah, good for us. I'm not bitching. I mean, good yeah, for us. I'm, I'm happy that it happened. So we'll see. Maybe this guy will, will, will be disappeared. Like he said, and we won't <laughs> get anything else. Um, but this well, is going to roll there. us into our special topic for this week. That's right. So since we don't have Natalie, we're going to kind of fill you guys a little bit more time with the special topic that we cooked up, which is uh, what pisses George Lucas off about Star Wars now, like post <laughs> post acquisition, post oh, selling to Disney. Here. What gets just, under his skin? It's a huge it's a blown up uh, zoomed in picture of the maker's face. And he definitely has a, an angry pout going on. Angry yeah, so it's, it's, George. It's, it's perfect boy. for this segment. But yeah, this is a this is a new segment. It's a special topic. We broke it out because of a uh, the interview mix up. Uh, and maybe we'll bring it back because we only did three and three. We picked three things that we think would have pissed George off at this point in time. And and, and you know, it's a lot of it is related to the, the sale. It's looking like, but I do think there are legs for this segment to come back down the road. It yeah. Is, it could be pretty fun. So here we go. Nick, what is the first thing that you think pissed off George Lucas? I think probably the f- the first thing on my list and also probably the first thing chronologically that happened after the sale was uh, canceling Clone Wars. And then that really kind of scatterbrained, not great Netflix sixth season. Because Clone Wars was essentially his, like, you know, it was him and Dave Filoni that was their baby. And he was like, you know what? This is the direction that I want to take Star Wars in. This is the story that is going to carry this franchise forward, um, not only in, you know, television, but also in movie form. Because he released a full-length feature film, animated feature film for Clone Wars. And then right when Disney gets it, they pull the plug no more Clone Wars. We'll let Netflix yeah. have a season. We're, we want to do our own thing. And that thing was Rebels, and obviously Rebels turned out to be a fantastic show. But for George, that wasn't his, those weren't his characters. Those weren't his stories that he was trying to tell. And he knew that when season five wrapped up that there was probably still more story to tell with Clone Wars. And of course, they, I mean, dude, the, the whole reason that season six got released is because they had made that much progress on it. Yeah. I mean, they, they are the lost chapters. They truly are. Yeah. So, so I, I think you're right. I think you're right. Because he first and foremost is a, a storyteller and a creator. And these are Ahsoka, Anakin, Obi-Wan, Mace, Yoda. He cooked all these fucking things up in his head. Yep. And as Nick said, 
he, he, he probably had a plan. He had an ultimate destination. Hell, he had an ultimate destination for the Skywalker saga. So, you know, the guy was always thinking about where he could take these things from A to Z by the time they were done. Yeah. And I do think someone like George probably was a little burnt that Disney was just like, you know what? Clone Wars was starting to build some momentum. It was getting quite a, a fan base. And I know you've, your team has put some work and effort into season six, but we're just, we're taking over, we're pivoting and, and we're just going to put the hard brakes on this right now. Maybe yeah. we'll come back and pay off uh, in the end. Luckily they did. Uh, but I think at the time, this probably would have been one of the early moves that uh, he definitely, it, it chaffed his yeah. ass a little oh, bit. Oh yeah. I mean, and it's, th- I feel like this is going to be a continuous theme that, that it's, it was Disney's first foray into m- telling their own stories in, in making yeah. their own content because eventually no matter how much George gave them at the acquisition, whether it be five years down the line, 10 years down the line, whatever for star Wars to continue, Disney was going to have to make their own content. And I feel like it just happened earlier than he expected. Yeah. Um, it, it would hurt anyone. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's like, it would be like, you know, when you, when you, I'm assuming when you watch your kids go, you know, they, they, they leave and maybe they do something stupid or something you didn't expect, or maybe even something great. It is, it's always going to be like, Oh, I, I wish I still had that control Yeah, over them. I could have, I could have prevented my, my daughter from doing something stupid or making a bad choice. And I think he looks at, at star Wars as the same way. Like if I was in charge, I could have done this and finished the story the way I wanted to. So I, I, I like that one. That definitely would have pissed George off. Yeah. <laughs> So, right. yeah, good. My first one is, and I know this definitely pissed him off because I think even Bob himself said so when he was trying to sell copies of his book telling this story. But Bob Iger had George draft out the sequel trilogy when they bought it, paid him for it, and then didn't use a fucking single okay. story point. So, yeah, I was going to ask. So, like, he, so I thought that he already had the drafts and then they bought the drafts. No, when, and this is like when, when Bob was out selling his book, okay. he was telling all the stories. Yeah. And this is where he, he kind of cleared it up. He's like, no, we actually paid George to give us his ideas to, to script out seven, eight, nine. And then when we read it, we were like, nah, we're going our way. Yeah. I mean, that is, and didn't definitely. use, didn't use a single thing. <laughs> yeah. That that's definitely going to piss him off because not only like, it would be different if it's like, if George and like that was the the conception that I have of it, it was like he already had the scripts done and he was like, here, this is this is my sequel trilogy. And then, you know, they didn't go with it. Right. But like literally having him write out three rough draft scripts and just not doing anything with it. It's just like, dude, not only did you, you know, like, yes, you know, the this was a part of the sale, but like you made me do all of this work and then you didn't use a single thing. Yeah, from it's it. Like, it was like a slap in the face. Yeah. It's like, I, you know, I sell it to you, you. You make kind of these promises that you want my ideas and then you don't use any. And really the, the cherry on top to, to, that really probably put a bee in his bonnet over this was after all this and they didn't use any of his ideas. I believe they sent, um, JJ and, uh, uh, Kazdin over there with the TFA script for George to go over it. And he was just like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. I know that JJ had a lot of conversations with George pre starting the writing process. And then also kind of right. 
after things had started. But apparently it was still like George, you know, he, he listened and whatnot, but apparently he was still kind of fuming a bit from the fact that they wanted his ideas, paid him for his ideas, and then basically just said, eh, we, we more or less did that to get the sale done and shut the fuck up. Yeah, no, I mean, I could, I could definitely see that. I could definitely see that being a very shitty experience to, right. for lack of a better term. I mean, he got paid. Let, he got paid yeah, let's he not got, feel too bad for the man. I mean, the he, not only did he get five, he got $4 billion, billion and then they, they, they probably paid him another five to 10 million for the, for the fucking scripts. Yeah. But they were like, here, here's a, here's a lifetime season pass to Disney world. That's what we'll give you for. Yeah. It's the same <laughs> thing as, as, as your first pissing off George Joe. I, I think anything where he feels like people are, are discounting his thoughts on Star Wars, it, it's going to piss him off as it should. I yeah. mean, it, it's, it's his. It'll always be his. I don't care that Disney owns the license. This is the man that one day pulled these fucking ideas out of his gray matter. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. My second one is, and this is going to sound odd, but I'll try to explain it the best way I can. I'm with you on this 100%. It's, it's the success of The Mandalorian. 100%. And I don't think he's like, angry that the show is is like good i think that like this is the first time probably that he's watched anything disney related and been like shit they did better than me and i don't think i would have come up with this like this i'm 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 with you too and i and it's i forget what it's called because it is like a a personality trait or disorder it's like you know he's almost He's like angry mad that someone figured out how to use his baby just as good, if not better than he was using it. And it's not even just the story, too. It's what we're talking about before. It was the tech. Like everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's top to bottom. Everything. The production overall. Yeah. The story. The, the, The volume and all of these different things and all of the different aspects that went into this and them literally saying like, okay, you think that we need to be connected to you to make something good. Well, watch this. And they basically said, we don't need your characters. We don't need your, your, your timelines. We don't need your story points. We're going to make something and it's going to be as good, if not better than anything you've ever made. And remember season one, they, they mostly stayed away from the makers, big stuff. Yeah. And it wasn't until like, it really wasn't until the end of season, you know, like, you know, the beginning parts of season two and towards the end of season two, where you got like Bo-Katan and, and Ahsoka, like Boba, Boba yeah, and stuff Boba, like that, where Luke you start to mix end. it in. But like season one was like smash hit fucking Disney plus runner. Like what, what took that service off with nothing George related in it. Yeah. And now I'm, I'm with you. Cause I, I think any creator at his level is just a hardcore narcissist. Mm-hmm. It just, you have to be to yeah. get there. I'm not saying it's a bad thing and I'd probably do the same thing. But if I, if I created Star Wars and then sold it off to a company deep down in my dark, shitty soul, <laughs> I would always be hoping for failure. And, and I think George probably has a little bit of that in him too. Yeah. And like, the thing is, is like, you can say what you want about the the sequel trilogy in terms of the story that was told and everything like that financially very successful for disney like they probably had production costs of nearly you know call it 150 to 275 million dollars for each of those movies 
Because knowing that Solo was 200 million plus and they had to make the movie twice, you would figure that the Skywalker right. saga no, I films, think you're right. I'd say 100 to 200 million tops was yeah. probably their operating and then budget. each one of those movies made over a billion dollars. Like, you can't say that it's a financially unsuccessful film franchise. Oh, there's Disney's investment is is great. Yeah. I mean, it's paid off on and it will pay off in spades. Yeah. And so, like, I, I do feel like he takes a little bit of narcissistic joy out of the fact that, like, that story <laughs> did not weave together like they probably wanted it to. He's like, look, yeah. you guys can't do this. You you tried and you can't do what I did. It goes back to mine. It's like, hey, I gave you the fucking roadmap, and yeah. look, this is what you got. Exactly. You, you, you reap what you sow, motherfuckers. Exactly. So he got a little <laughs> bit of joy out of that, I feel like. Um, I agree. But but the Mandalorian, he just can't. Like, he looks at that, and he's like, fuck. I could have I been doing that. Or, right. you know. Well, I'm going to, on my final one, Nick, I kind of play into yeah. this, but it is different. So uh, my next one here, and we, we kind of touched on this already. But the next thing that I think would piss off George Lucas or pissed him off was not having the tech to complete Underworld for a reasonable cost and trashing 50 scripted episodes. Yeah. Yeah. That was essentially his his big play. That was his Mandalorian. Like, yeah. hey, we're going to we're going to expand Star Wars now beyond theaters, beyond animation, live action TV. And that was like his next golden ticket. And right. like you said, he didn't have the technology required and it was, to do it. It was we as we learned last year, it was well into development. Yeah. Like fifty done like scripts, 50, test 50 shoots, episodes. like test shoots on set. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean it was it was up and running. I think Nick, you're the one that that kind of postulated this, but but you said that you felt that underworld and the the technical hurdles and the costs are what ultimately led George to the decision to quit. Yeah. I think so. It, to it's just, just stop. It's so, especially for a person like George, who's always been able to do, like he, he always had a beat on like, you know, while making the, the two trilogies, like, okay, well I have to, you know, like there's stuff that I can't do for the prequels yet. And then he comes back and he makes it happen, you know, right. 16 years later, he essentially invents all of the technology or, or comes up with the technology and then ILM invents it to make that trilogy. And he thought he could do it again. And he was, and that's why he got so far with Underworld. It wasn't just like Underworld was an idea and he realized that he couldn't do yeah. it. He started to do it and then he, he got to a point to where he's like, I can't do it. He just can't. And we all got to remember... A lot of times George was footing the bill himself so yeah. he could maintain control. So there's a good chance that he was, you know, ponying up a lot of Lucas cash to mm -hmm. do this and just was like, you know what? Um, I'm X amount of years in age. I've basically haven't spent any time with my kids adopted or whatever. I don't know if he has any natural kids. I think he does, but I'm uh, not sure. But either way, I mean, one of the things he says, like he just wanted, he was just done. Like he, he wanted to spend time with the family. Yeah. He kind of made his mark, but I, but I do, I do think you had a, a point that once, once he got into underworld and realized like, Hey, you know what? I'm fucking 60 or 70 or how, uh, however old he was at that time. He's going, I, you know, these fucking cocksuckers were giving me shit over Jar Jar Binks and attack of the clones and sand and the high ground. And then I'm spending millions of my own fucking money to make them more stuff to shit on. And he's just like, you know what? Fuck this. Yeah. I, I Disney, I need yeah. some billions. I need a nice nest egg. And, and realistically yeah. for me, like there are people out there, you know, you, 
a lot of speculation can be had about if George would have made a sequel trilogy or not. Like, I, I really don't think he would have. No, like, I, I think I, he was done. I think Underworld was the last yeah. thing he was going to try. And then he's like, fuck this Well, because you figure 50 episodes of Underworld, that's if you're going with, you know, the the old TV formula, which was roughly 20 episodes per season. And you're talking, you know, 30 minute long, 45 minute long episodes. Like that's two seasons worth. And, you know, if it was successful, he would he would have kept going like that would have been yeah. his baby. That would have been his his sequel trilogy because Underworld was going to, you know, like that was going to be his long term project. And he wouldn't have I don't think he would have made seven, eight and nine. Like, no, I, I don't either. I think he was content. I mean, yeah, he, he had ideas for it. I mean, he had a plan for where the Skywalkers would go. Yeah. I just, I don't think that was his bag anymore. I, I, I do think the prequel reception, as it would any creator. It's just going to stifle you. Fucking wore him out. Like, he's just like, why am I doing it? Like, I don't need this fucking heartache and, and bullshit from these fucking goobs that watch my movies and, and dedicate religions to him. He's like, fuck these idiots. Yeah, it's like, this is not what I, you know, like. Just give me, give me four billion and I'll fucking go yeah. away. I feel like. Now, I, I would still love, and I do think, I would not be surprised if we get the news one day that Homeboy called up Favreau and Filoni and was like, hey, give me an episode. Yeah, I think that's still possible, especially on... That would break the, the Star Wars internet. Yeah. Like, if that was announced that the maker was coming back, they're giving him an episode, be it a, a you know a series premiere or a season premiere or a finale, like a big... Or, or the middle one, like what Filoni usually takes. I could still see that happening, but that's it. Like, I, and I think it'd be mostly directing, not, not so much even writing anything. But yeah. I, I just feel like he, I feel like he feels like he needs to touch the Mandalorian outside of just visiting the set. That's what I was going to say. If it's anything, it's the Mando, because that's the one, like I said, in, in my number two, that's the one that really probably made him itchy or or ahsoka because yeah. i mean she again was a, a part of his his creative uh, vision yeah. so all right nick what's your your last my thing last one pissed off george lucas my last one i just put the sequel trilogy in general and we kind of touched on a lot of the points around yeah. the sequel trilogy already i mean one i think the financial success probably annoyed him especially the financial success of the first one yeah, because you know TFA, how, TFA, how closely it resembled a new hope yeah, and all that. Like TFA was one. I think it was probably the the best critically and fan reception out of all three. Like, it, well, without a doubt, it was the most widely accepted one. Oh, dude, it, it's it's easily the one sequel trilogy movie where you're not going to get spit on from somebody if you're like, hey, TFA, yeah, not a bad I, movie. I like it. You, yeah, you're not going to get like a. Yeah. Or, yeah, uh, you know, I, I, it's generally like, yeah, I kind of liked it. It was a little similar, but yeah, it was, it, it was promising. And then they fucked it all up at TLJ. Yeah. I hate you. Ryan Johnson needs to die. <laughs> but I think with that one, he saw, like, I think he was starting to doubt the juice it had left. Like, I, I think he was like, that's, you know, like him not being able to, to get Underworld off the ground and then just like. The, the sour taste in his mouth after the prequels, like that went into it. But he's also like, man, I don't know if Star Wars has the clout that it once had. Like, I don't know if I could do what I did in 99 and, and come out and put out new movies and it just bang and then happen. And then he saw TFA 
make $2 billion worldwide. And he was like, fuck, man. Like, I could have done that. Like, that could have been me again. And I feel like that got under his skin. Yeah, I feel like he's pissed because, like, I am when he's like, Ray, you're a Palpatine. I think that, too. Like, the story again <laughs> is like, is well, probably it, it, what. It but fucks his nice little bow tie ending in Jedi. It does. A bit. It really does. And, like, and I can almost, like, I mean, you've heard so many things, though. Like, I don't know what his scripts were. I don't know what he would have had planned, but like apparently he told Jay, like he was talking to JJ and he's the one who told him like the big bad all along has always been Palpatine. So like if, if you're going to have, if this is a Skywalker film and you're going to have a big bad, guess who it is? It's Palpatine. Like, so yeah, I, I, I still feel like he would have done it. Have you seen that? Like there, there's a new meme going around. There's always been a meme over Poe Dameron, like, uh, you know, the, the Palpatine, how did this, this type of shit? Uh, They're using it now for Godzilla vs Kong because, uh, I know we didn't talk about this. I did watch it. I do think it's a fun movie. I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's the greatest thing I've ever seen, but, 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 uh, Godzilla vs Kong definitely employs the wait, wait, Palpatine's back logic. Cause they're just like, they just do shit without explaining anything. And you're like, all right, I can go along with it. They're big monsters and there's a bunch of neon lights and buildings <laughs> blowing up. Yeah. But if you think about it, you're like, why the fuck is Godzilla doing what he's doing again? But dude, like, that wasn't anyone... that always Godzilla's thing though. Is like, he just comes back. Like, he's just like, oh, well, Godzilla's back. Well, I mean, spoiler alert. There's a very clear reason Godzilla opens the movie by attacking humans. Okay. But but they don't they don't fucking clue you in until like the the end and then you're like, "Okay, well now it makes sense, but the whole movie you're just sitting there going, "Why? Why is Godzilla doing this shit?" Yeah. <laughs> like why why is he wanting to fucking kill King Kong? Yeah. Like what's what's the beef here? And then like, two titans can't exist together. Like what, what's going on? Yeah. I don't know. Either way, so like fun, it's still I think a fun it's, movie, it's but partially the story because at first, probably with TFA, he's like, "Fuck, they did it!" Like they did what I thought I couldn't do because I didn't know if there was enough left in it. So yeah. that probably pissed them off. But then by the end, he was probably so angry because like n- they botched it. Like he might have gotten like a sick amount of joy out of it, but now he's like. <laughs> I feel like you screwed up what I did because you, yeah, he's you probably like he's probably so laughing. He's like, "Haha, they made this shit. Now people aren't bitching about the prequels as much." Yeah, he's like, "Fucking a, finally someone took that prequel heat off my back, and I can just sit here and be like, yeah, well they, you guys give me shit about Attack of the Clones and fucking wishing and wishing and sand and shit." Ray Palpatine. Yeah, so, game over. Mic drop. Right. So. He's like, I think that there's a lot of hate in general for the sequel trilogy, like the financial success of it and the fact that TFA, I mean, at the time became the most, it was the uh, biggest movie of all time, biggest movie release of ever. And that probably got under his skin. So that that's my third one. All right. And my final, what may have pissed George off. And it ties back into some of our other conversations, but the fact that he is now probably hearing how John Favreau and Dave Filoni are the saviors of Star Wars. Yeah, but I, like like Dave Filoni is Star Wars Jesus, like all that type of stuff. <laughs> yeah, and we definitely uh, we we push that narrative here too. Um, <laughs> so I think this one you could argue goes both ways. I think for Dave. He probably loves it and he's proud because yeah. that's his Star Wars son. 
For John, it's an outsider that came in and took his toys and made them better. Exactly. And I just, I mean, George is a human. I think he's got that narcissism in him where he can do it better. And and I think the fact that someone came in that never worked for him, under him, or, or received his tutelage was able to come in with an idea that has... Uh, revitalize Star Wars in the minds of a lot of fans. Yeah, I mean, I think that probably does get under his skin, especially like they're the saviors because, I mean, if you think about it... (laughs) I've never said Star Wars needed saving, by the way. I am on the record saying that. Like the the first, if if you're going by that logic, like it needed a savior, like the first destroyer was George himself. I mean, if that's the logic you're following... (laughs) like you You are correct? Yeah. Correct for a hundred, sir. <laughs> so I mean, he's probably looking at that, like people saying that and being like, "These fuckers don't even realize." Like some of these people aren't even old enough to realize that none of this would be around if it wasn't for me. Like, and that's the thing is, like, you know, if you're in your early twenties, if you're in your right. late teens, mid teens, or something like that, you may like you don't you may not understand the significance that's that George that's a Lucas good point that is a good point because i mean i even with my my little kid who's who's five now i i've had to go out of my way and i know it's still too early to like correlate hey this is the guy that cooked all this shit up but but i go out of my way whenever like an image of george pops up or you know whatever like this guy created star wars yeah like he wrote it down on a paper like you you know you're scribbling shit mm-hmm. Uh, but you are right. Like a lot of the new generations, I mean, uh, you could even argue those born in the 21st century uh, may not fully understand George's contributions to the to the galaxy. Yeah. So, and it's just like it's one of those things that also, I mean, like it ties into the Mandalorian thing and the success of the TV because he knew that's where it was going. Like he knew TV is is where it was going. That's why Underworld existed and 50 episodes of it were written without it even being produced. And like now seeing now like that, like Disney essentially created and and is sustaining Disney plus off of the back of star Wars success. Yeah. Jesus. And that probably numbers on Disney plus are just ridiculous. They're, they're rivaling Netflix already. Yeah. It's insane. How fast (laughs) like subscriber base Netflix had how many years on them? Yeah. They're almost caught up in a year and a half. Yeah. And it's purely (laughs) based. I mean, like obviously they have Marvel too, but like the first, the first dude, how about that Loki trailer? Dude, sorry. A little tangent. Yeah. (sighs) No, man, I'm, I'm excited. Like I, I, I think at this point, like, Marvel and Star Wars TV can do no wrong. Like my they, God, I mean Disney Plus has just got the the OG content down for people like you and I and those that listen. I mean, just with the the Marvel and Star Wars alone, it's well worth the three ninety nine or whatever low price I pay a month. I mean, and, and you know they're they're starting to roll out shit like this this hockey game. They're doing uh, seasonal programming for kids with original shows. Yeah. Uh, it's it's turned out to be quite a nice little streaming service and 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 especially for like i said star wars marvel heads you you cannot not have disney plus at this point in time because wandavision was something I'll, I'll leave it at that it was something it was unique it was different and in the end it progressed the mcu to back towards the next doctor strange and and what we're getting with uh falcon and winter soldiers fucking kick ass and that loki trailer is setting it up, in my opinion, for what I like to watch to be the the best yet Marvel show. So, yeah. 
Uh, Disney Plus, here we go, and George ain't getting any of that money. Yeah, no, it's but but Nick's right. I, I do think he was he was angling the galaxy towards uh, live action television. Anyways, he had been doing it for years with the Clone Wars, and as I said, it was starting to build up quite a following after the poor reception of the movie. But there you go; those are things that we think would piss off George Lucas. Hopefully, everyone <laughs> understood that segment. We were not shitting on the man. Uh, we're just kind of having fun and, and speculating on what might have pissed the yeah, maker try, off. Trying to get into his head. And we'll, uh, you know, maybe we'll revisit it down the road. We have a few other special topics to cook to uh, to get out one day. But uh, once Bad Batch is back, we'll, we'll be back to our regular uh, boatload of uninteresting content as described by us to you on the Star Wars Time Show. There we go. All right, dude, we got one more post before we get into the fan segment, and this is a, a collector-style post, um, a Funko Pop post, believe it or not. And and really the reason I threw this out there, Nick, because I've, I've given up collecting the Pops. Yeah. I'm not a hater. If you, if you all want to collect them, have at it. I've actually made stupid money selling old Pops, so again, I'm not going to shit on them. But I, I just gave up the collection or the collecting of pops so I could spend even more of my future earnings and my daughter's, you know, future college, college fund. car funds on um, Star Wars Barbies. But anyways, I was almost pulled out of Funko Pop collecting retirement last week, Nick, when I saw this this new wave of what I'm calling they call them like the concept series. Yeah. I mean, let's be real. They are the Ralph McQuarrie series of Funko Pops. So uh, I'll I'll pull up the images here. But I just, as someone that's a really big fan of Ralph's and, and, and appreciates and understands his impact on the overall look of Star Wars proper... Like that guy set the tone for what Star Wars was going to look like, be it the characters, the weapons, the ships, the interiors. He is the man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And he has two sketches. Well, there's one sketch I have it hanging up right behind me. Um, It's an early concept of Luke versus Vader on Bespin. Uh, But the one that I know all Star Wars and Ralph fans will will know it's the scene where Luke's kind of wearing a scuba mask. Mm. He's holding a white lightsaber and, and Vader is blue and he's got a more angular, uh, kind of sharper uh, designed helmet. And that is one of the pops we're getting in this concept series. It is that it's the Ralph McQuarrie blue tint Vader. Yeah. And it just looks fucking pimp. It does. I know it's a pop. I know they don't do shit, but it's Vader, man. And he, he just, he looks just the, the like I said, the 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 tighter angles, the more oval eyes, just yeah. make them look even more menacing than the Vader we got. I was gonna say, like that's I mean, essentially what you get in Rebels is is as close to Macquarie yeah, Vader as yeah, you're ever yeah, gonna good get. Point. And it does have that that it is. It's more angular, more samurai looking than what exactly. We ended up it even has like a it almost has like a gimp suit on too. Like <laughs> it's not even you see how it's like a, it's almost uh, like a fuck, tight latex things? suit. Yeah, it's like, and he's got like almost overall yeah, like clips the, coming down yeah, in, the, instead of his uh, his his electronics. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you also got you got the the Ralph C three PO, which again is a very uh, it's a very iconic sci fi robot design for that era. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there's a lot of robots that kind of had that same look. 
that Ralph channeled for early C-3PO. You can see in early R2 where they might have borrowed some designs for Chopper. Yeah. With the arms coming out arms of the dome. Chopper, yeah. And then the early hobo Yoda looks like even more of a hobo creep. Yeah. Uh, he had he had that long, like you could almost braid his hair, right? I mean, he had like a bathrobe on, like a Hugh Hefner pimp playboy robe. Yep. Um, so, I mean, these were out there. They, they were um, Hot Topic exclusives. The, the Vader was gone by the time I even posted it last week. Uh, but I just, I don't know. There's something about the, the Ralph-inspired design of these pops, and the Vader in particular. It's just like, you know what? I got to give a little love to the Funko line. It's, it's been a while. No, yeah. I mean, these are as special as you're going to get in terms of uh, the style and, and, and what you're going to get from Funko Pops. I mean, yeah, even I'm like tempted to try to get my hands on the fucking Vader one. <laughs> But yeah, I, that Vader is just boss. I'm sorry. Yeah. It is pimp. It's so pimp. It's so cool looking, man. I mean, and, and yeah, like I have I mean, you can't see it now because I'm in the Falcon. But in my in my house, when I'm not driving the Falcon around, I do have a couple of little Star Wars pops on my uh, on my bookshelf. So maybe I'll add one of these to it. I mean, well. I'm not saying I would get a Funko pop tattooed on me, <laughs> but if I did, that would be the Funko pop. Yeah. That, like even, even just a face. I know even. Even it being, you know, chibified, it's supposed to make it look cute, but that face still makes it look like a badass dude in a suit that's going to fucking cut you down and choke you out if he doesn't like what you have to say. Oh, yeah. Very menacing. So um, available so now go. for pre-order on Hot Topic. You can click the link over on the Star Wars yeah, time. They're, they're all post. sold out by now. I guarantee it. Uh, oh, even no. the Vader's back in stock. Yeah. Shit. Don't do it, Matt. Don't hit <laughs> add to bag. No. See, I can't. It says unavailable for shipping for me. Not available for shipping. That sucks. Um. Oh yeah. So they're trick. No, it does no, say out, it's of out of stock. They, <laughs> they just didn't take the button off. We're stupid. Yeah. No. I'm, so I'm the even dumber because uh, I'm sitting there clicking on the button. Like yeah. A, a dope. So the R2 <laughs> is in stock. The three PO is in stock, and the uh, Yoda is in stock. Of course. Of but course. But just they not are. the Vader. I mean, that just goes to show you how fucking Mac Daddy that Vader is. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, as soon as I saw the news, like it came from the official Funko account, as soon as I went over to Hot Topic, Vader was gone. Yeah. It was impossible. I do not miss those days. I remember uh, I was such a junkie with with Funko exclusives and staying up and waiting and getting right on there to to order them before all you other bot fuckers stole them. (laughs) Uh, But like Nick said, you can get the droids and and the hobo out there. Yep. So pick those up. At your leisure, because I don't think that they're selling out anytime soon. Who's this? Craig the Brute just hopped on, but what y'all think about Vader versus Thanos? Is huh. that like a is that like a thing? Is there is that like a video out about it, or is it just a? I don't I don't know if it's in reference to your battle bracket and oh, how okay. you're doing Marvel versus Star Wars, or I know there has been talks about Vader versus Thanos. We've even featured, I think, some toy photography. You had a, a shot of Vader. Yeah, I, I I've had Vader fighting Thanos. Uh, Vader would would one handedly kill Thanos. On I, I'm yeah, I'm I'm one of those people like uh, what's his name would probably kill me. Uh, lights, camera, tentacles, oh, yeah. and, and, the, and the flame guy. <laughs> oh yeah with, uh, but i am one of those people that, that essentially feels like a mac daddy force user could pretty much dominate uh, most any other superhero i mean if you just look at i mean you have a mac daddy force user in the mcu and it's scarlet witch and yeah. 
she almost single-handedly she could have killed thanos by herself right. yeah i'm with you so like it so was craig it wouldn't brute, even have been i'm issue. going Va- i'm going vader would win okay. uh, he would just he would use the force to pop out the stones or just crush the glove yeah no he would or he, rip his head off it I wouldn't mean, even know. be it, a competition like because thanos is a he's a physical presence like he needs to hit you and you know he, he doesn't have mind powers and like even with the glove he doesn't have the force yeah he can you know do shit with it but like you saw what happened like scarlet witch got her powers around him and he was done he was yeah, paralyzed he, he was he called in an airstrike that was wiping out his own team he's yeah. like fuck it <laughs> he he's like fuck he if i'm cornered. gonna go down everybody's gonna go down yeah exactly so, so yeah so, so there you vader, go craig vader would have just fucking destroyed we, uh, that, that's how we roll we 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 serve our fans yeah. directly and speaking of the battle bracket yes there was only one that popped up this week and it was uh one of the characters i was just talking about good old scarlet witch so uh, Marvel versus Star Wars battle bracket continues with number two Scarlet Witch, Witch versus number fifteen Ray, and the vote played out very actually not quite as bad as I thought. So it was a seventy percent vote for Scarlet Witch, thirty percent for Ray, um, and and really for this one I thought it was going to be a complete massive like ninety percent <laughs> to ten percent, ninety five yeah. to five. Um, but it was a little bit closer than I expected. And, and really, like I was mentioning, uh, when we're talking about Craig's point, this is like, even though this is a Marvel versus star Wars, this is as, this is basically two force users versus each other. You know, the, yeah. the only difference here is that Ray has a lightsaber, which could come into effect, you know, like Scarlet, Witch doesn't really have a weapon that she could use, you know, if, if, if Ray was a really good force user and like, you know, maybe you look at Ray 10 years post Tross where she's got more training, more time to, to hone her skills, you know, maybe she can like manipulate the force, throw out her saber, kind of make it hairy, uh, Scarlet, Witch, and then give her some problems. But I think as we see Ray in the movies, I think Scarlet, Witch's abilities they're like her force powers are just a little bit stronger than Ray's. Well, yeah, dude. I mean, through the end of WandaVision, it's established that she can use chaos magic and essentially create beings. Yeah. Like she she fucking created a vision using her magic. Yeah. It was a fully functioning being that within her control was just like the other vision. Yeah. The only time it, it decayed is when it tried to leave the hex. Her her hex magic. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would agree with you. The, the, the chaos magic seems to be at that stage more powerful than just the force. Yeah. So um, she's our number two seed, Scarlet Witch. And honestly, she's my favorite to win the whole thing. Like, I was a fan of Scarlet Witch, like, for, from for a while. Like, I've always been a huge fan of her and her powers. Oh, you're not just a, like a WandaVision homer? No, and Jump no, on like the I, Wanda bandwagon? I, I wrote articles far long ago that talked proof. about how she was proof yeah you clout chaser <laughs> how she was the the strongest of all the avengers if not one of the strongest uh you know comic characters ever um so i think that she could win the whole thing it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because 
Um, obviously, matchups will have their own personal fans and, you know, people. Yeah, totally. So um, I was only able to get out one this week. Like I said, in the beginning of the show, I was kind of literally in the West Texas desert. Yeah, hey, you know. let's remember the, the guy almost got murdered yeah. in West Texas. <laughs> yeah, so. so give him a break. Um, the next one up. So I will be doing two this week. Uh, the next one will be Captain Marvel versus Magneto. Uh, so another Marvel versus Marvel throwdown. And then uh, after that, it will be a Star Wars versus Star Wars throwdown uh, with Luke Skywalker versus Ahsoka Tano. Oof. Oh, Error. man, that is brutal. Yeah. That is a fucking brutal initial pairing. I know, man. That's just how it played out. That's, that's rough. That's, that's, a, like, that's like asking a parent to kill one of their kids. I know, right? It's three versus 14 because Luke's the three seed and Ahsoka's the 14 seed. I mean, I probably could have seeded Ahsoka higher, but um the magneto angle though like depending on who wins the captain marvel versus magneto one the magneto angle versus any star wars force like any star wars character is interesting because you can essentially just take away their lightsaber like you can just remove that immediately because it's all like every lightsaber that most of these that all of these you know jedi use has has some metallic form of metallic so he just takes it whatever you crush it throw it away whatever like he can just make that on it's like again and and i'm not trying to get super nerdy here but then they'll just use their force and crush him his body yeah but choke him out rip his rip his 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 mind blocking helmet off with the force can he use some mind tricks on him yeah i mean that's that's the that's the real trick is like how it all plays out quickly i would uh, you want to get super dorky i would argue the force absolutely dominates anyone that can only influence metal because the force is everything. Yeah, exactly. Metal is just one thing. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know, but I, I, because it's captain Marvel, I'm almost guaranteeing that Magneto wins. Okay. Do you think that she, our fan well, base she's in, uh, sadly, she's a character like Ray that a lot of people are just never going to like. Cause She's powerful. She's a girl, and that that can't happen. See, I didn't know that there was that much Captain Marvel hate. Are you out there. kidding me? Like, I go just, look, go go do some research on on Captain Marvel and all the drama about you know girl power and all that shit. I never like, and that's like I got away from that a while ago. Like, I just <laughs> I don't, don't look I don't, for it. I don't, but yeah, when you cover it. Star Wars, you you, you kind of see when you cover geeky shit. Yeah, that's true. You know, this would have been my Buddha days. You just see it. No, I mean people were highly offended. Uh, in the trailer where, where, you know, the girl, it was a scene with the biker to, to Captain Marvel. was like, hey, give me a smile, baby, or something like that. And she said something like, whatever. And, you know, a bunch of macho men got all offended. Yeah. I, I, there's I, no way Captain Marvel could be that strong and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's blah, like, blah, I don't, blah. I don't, I don't know. It's just really weird. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's like the next matchups are going to be interesting. And then the last one to close out the first round of the, of the bracket before we move into round two is Revan versus Obi-Wan, which I think is a rematch <laughs> of our previous Star Wars Force user bracket. God. Um, All right, so well. so two Star Wars one, two two Star Wars only ones to close it out. Um, but yeah, so keep your eyes out. I will drop the Captain Marvel versus Magneto on Wednesday, and it will be in our stories on the IG. So follow us at Star Wars Time Show for the polls go to our stories vote there if you put your vote in the comments it does not count you need to go vote on the story you yes. click the name 
that you want to if win. If you need help on how to vote, just contact at Gregu Snaps. Yes. He is. Because uh, he has so many burner accounts yeah. that he, he is an expert voter at these yeah, things. Greg, so if Greg you need any tips. Votes six times per matchup. <laughs> yeah, hit up, hit up uh, at Gregu Snaps. He'll let you know. Well, he's the one, like, I, I didn't even look. I mean, I, I, I try to tune out more than I used to. And I get a message. Hey, is Nick doing a bracket this week? I'm like, I, I don't fucking yeah, know. I just assumed he did it. And, and I, I, I slacked Nick. And he's like, yo, I'm fucking on vacation. Blow no, it out I, your ass. I was like, I, All right. <laughs> I, like right after, probably it was like Matt messaged me five, like five or 10 minutes after I had posted up the, the, uh, this one here, Scarlet Wars versus Ray. But yeah, it's like out there, you just don't have reliable internet access. So yeah. So anyways, he'll, he's back on the battle bracket yes. wagon this week, Greg. Just stay tuned. But like you said, if you want to get involved, if you're new here and you're, you're wondering what the fuck are these guys talking about now? Is this a Marvel show? No, we're doing a battle bracket of comic book characters versus Star Wars characters. And some of them even feature comic book versus comic book or Star Wars versus Star Wars. And you can get in on the voting by going to Instagram and looking for at Star Wars Time Show following the account and then browsing our stories to drop your vote yeah there we go all right and this will bring us into the next part of our fan segment this week and it is our question of the week uh which matt has been the steward of for the last couple of months and his question to all of you assholes out there i mean fandos out there was can i go take a piss please yes you may matt so i will lead us off in the first one all right so yeah do the question then yeah. i'll flip you to the next screen so it is what is your favorite obi-wan kenobi moment and why all right so and our first go, one like, up is from i, I think, think this is ripic tan. tan again yes yeah. ripic tan with the response says tough one but i think i have to go with old ben explaining the force to luke in a new hope so one of my favorite scenes in all of star wars He's waited all those years for that moment, and having the prequels makes that scene all the more powerful. Honorable mentions are uh, the Jedi mind trick about the droids, most likely Cantina, and then um, the Death Sticks scene in episode two. Interesting call out. Let me get you something, uh, Cantina scene. Um, and of course, the first and last time Obi-Wan... Uh, fights Maul. So the first matchup in Clone Wars and then the last matchup in Maul, or not, I mean, not Clone Wars, in Episode 1 and then the last one in, in Rebels. So lots of good ones there. The uh, Let Me Get You Something scene from the A New Hope Cantina, uh, that was also cool. That's the first That's the first and only time you ever see the light a lightsaber strike somebody, cut off a body part, and it leaves blood. So there you go. But yeah, good good mentions it's, there from uh, Ripic Tan. The the initial one there, the the one that he went with though, if you think about it, it it probably is the definitive Obi Wan Kenobi moment. It's such an iconic scene because it does it, it essentially sets up all of the mysticism in Star Wars in one yeah. neatly packed scene, and and the Skywalkers and the importance of the Skywalkers and why he's been you know he's not saying yeah Luke I've been watching you because of this but you start to realize like okay this is this is why this creep's been keeping an eye on this boy but the way Alec Guinness acted that scene you can just see Kenobi 
just utterly devastated mm-hmm. underneath the surface. And he right? was like when he's friend. thinking about exactly. Yeah. And he was a good friend, you know, the dark times, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And, and you just see how fucked up Kenobi is in the head because of what happened with the clone yeah. wars and the failure of his uh, Padawan. Yeah. And that's what makes the Kenobi series all that more interesting. Like, because you get to see, or you'll get to see a piece of that transition from, you know, right. Jedi master. Well, you know what? I'm glad you, you brought that up. Cause you and I, we, we were kicking this around last week and you, and you told me I was an idiot <laughs> and, and that's fine. But IGN put out an article describing a line in Return of the Jedi as a as a plot hole and technically it is it's it's nothing I ever thought about or yeah. lost sleep over and and the scene is it's when Luke turns himself in at towards the end of Jedi and he's talking to Vader and he he's basically like Dad I know there's still good in you I can sense it we can do this and Vader literally says basically Obi Wan once thought as you did yeah. And if you if you really think about it, the last exchange we have as of right now is Obi-Wan watching Anakin burn to death. Yep. There's no to me, there's no passing of a sentiment that he was trying to redeem Anakin at that point. Yeah. So the line that Vader delivers to Luke and Jedi is kind of plot holy. It doesn't make sense. So what IGN was 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 speculating and what I kind of jumped on and was like, you know what, this, this would make sense is that in the Kenobi series, maybe they we're going to get an interaction where Ben is trying. Maybe even if it's just reaching through the force like Anakin, I know you're still in there, dude. Yeah. Come on. You can do this. But obviously, you know, Vader's going to win out there. Um, and Nick's like, hey, whatever. That, that, I just what was your your point was. I think it was a good point. Yeah. But what so like, was it? I forget. Mine wasn't that like mine was that it's not a plot hole because they kind of give you that at the end of episode three, like when Padme's delivering the children and right before she's about to die, like she literally she tells Obi-Wan like there's still good in him. I know, but that's her opinion. I know the, the way think- he the way Vader delivers it to Luke, it's as if Obi-Wan himself Yeah. Talked to, to Anakin Vader and said, dude, I know Anakin's still in there. Come on. Yeah. And I think, I mean, obviously they're going to. I know what you said now. I know what you said now. So if they do go back in Kenobi oh, and address this. They're going to open then, up another plot hole. Right. They they create a plot hole in A New Hope when uh, the Falcon comes in and he goes, wait, this is a presence I haven't sensed since. Yeah. And then he, and like, he, walks, and he walks away. And it's like. If Where. Nick's yeah. point is when when you're talking about an 18 year gap, that that line makes a lot of sense. But now if we're talking about what a a, eight year a five gap. to six eight year gap, then it's like you know he's still out there, and you know that he's actively fucking with you, right. or like he's trying to get cut. So it's not like it would be a surprise. Like you, it, it could be a surprise to to Vader that like man, I thought that we would have killed him already, or I thought that he was long gone or died yeah, on his own. I, I mean, it, it it could be like a lot of st- a lot of the holes George himself created in the prequels, yeah. and making Obi Wan a lion sack of shit. So, it I I think I think IGN had a a a a good idea. I mean that that line in Jedi could definitely be fleshed out in Kenobi, hundred yeah. percent. Mm-hmm. But Nick also made the good point that then Vader's iconic line in A New Hope will lose a little bit of its its gravitas. Yeah. Um, but it's just they're going to interact. We yeah, we know it's happening. Yeah, I mean, so we, we probably are going to get a moment where Obi Wan is trying to relate to 
Anakin within the shell of Vader, uh, I don't think it's going to be mano y mano. I, I think it could be through the Force. Uh, I, anyways, it, like I said, it was a side tangent. It was something that I, I wanted to, to discuss, but we forgot about it because Nick was like, hey, you know, they're full of shit. You're full of shit and I'm full of shit. And I was like, you're right. We're all full of shit. So let's just forget about it. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, but we'll definitely get that kind of. I mean, it's just funny how they ran like, oh, the Kenobi series could fix a major plot hole in Return of the Jedi. Like and that's why I clicked. I'm a clickbait idiot like the rest of you. And then I read I'm like, you know what? They do have a point. Yeah. But then it, it does kind of fuck up some of the New Hope stuff. Yeah. So there we I go. think that that's the hard part now about about creating any content that is directly connected to everything else is that like it's so easy for plot holes to pop up. Like it's yeah. so easy for something. It's, it's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to happen. Like you can't. It's almost like you can't write something without affecting like where like I was talking about with the fucking code for uh what you call it for for lego star wars it there is that cascade effect that when you put exactly. in a new piece of content that's well, directly no, dude, cyberpunk you drop a 40 gig patch that fixes you know 50 pages worth of problems but those introduce a new 50 pages worth of problems yeah i mean it's just uh, that's constantly what happens i don't know i just big. i never considered that line a plot hole Me but neither. if you really you know analyze it and get anal over it yes it technically is and yes it probably will get some uh you know some light shined on it in the kenobi series because you're not bringing back vader mm -hmm. uh, just for shits and giggles yeah uh, you're either getting a flashback or you're getting some you know force walkie talkie action uh, yeah. something like that yeah so all right Next up, up next, Crondale.sw says, as sad as it is and as much as it sucked for him and for us, uh, but the moment I saw Obi-Wan lose Satine to All the right. same man that took his master from him, that was the moment he was a thousand times more solidified as my favorite character. He lost so much, but never lost himself, nor did he allow himself to lose control. Holy crap, I love that character. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's tough. Like, you never really... Like, I never really thought about it in that context of, like, how much Obi-Wan lost. Oh, yeah. A lot. Yeah. A lot. I mean, it really, by the time he's on Tatooine, think about what that fuck's gone through. Yeah. Master killed in front of him. Woman killed in front of him. The chosen one that he was tasked to train destroys the entire order and fucks up the galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's like... like... You essentially have the death of three of your closest... <laughs> friends and or lovers and yeah. you have the in t the complete destruction of your entire life's work in front of yeah, your, your face. whole order like i mean because yeah. kenobi i mean he was a kool-aid drinker from day one he was he was taken as a child and fully raised jedi so i mean he was as dogmatic of a jedi as you could get and he lost it all yeah and like crondale says like to to lose the amount that he lost and still maintain your level right. of sanity is whew. and and i do hope i do hope in the kenobi series they explore a little bit of him possibly breaking yeah we know he doesn't break but i, I want to see some of the struggle because you never really see kenobi yeah the mental broken. anguish like you don't ever exactly like anything. like mentally fucked you never even, even with all the shit going on with anakin like he's like i can't kill him yoda and yoda's like suck it up pussy you gotta kill him he's like all right i'll kill him 
Um, he, he doesn't spend a lot of time whining yeah. or, or, or moping around. And, and I think we could get a little bit of a, a mopey Kenobi and it, 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 it makes sense yeah. based on what he's been through uh, by the time that show comes around yeah. to Disney Plus. Definitely. So good response there by Crondale. Next up, we have the Toy Darian. He says, hello there, both versions, LOL, because it's so damn awesome and encapsulates the character so well. So the hello there, obviously, when he drops down from the rafters and, and uh, faces off against uh, Grievous. And then the hello there when he pulls off his hood in A New Hope and says it to R2-D2. Yep. Well, uh, hello there. Hello there, little one. Come on yeah, over. That's where the plot holes start kicking in right away because he doesn't recognize the droid. Yeah, I know. Walking. Immediately. He literally hung out with R2 for years and years Dude, and years. For, for, like, from, for Anakin's whole arc, and you meet Anakin when he's, what, 10, 9, 10? Yeah, 10, 10, I think. And then by the time the end of <laughs> Rots comes around, he's got to be in his early 20s. Like, yeah. So ten, you, a decade of your life that you just Easily. forgot? <laughs> Easily, easily. I mean, easily spent 10 years with R2 and C-3PO and had no fucking clue. I don't ever remember owning a droid. It's like, bro. Dude. Wow. It's like, this droid saved your fucking life. Yeah, multiple like, times. Like, yeah, you, you would have blown up in the queen's ship if it wasn't for this guy. Yeah, dude. Yeah, oh, well, that, that again, like, p- plot holes. And, uh, it doesn't matter. Unless like, they address Star that, like, Wars, he gets just... his fucking mind wiped. <laughs> like, it's a highly unlikely. Oh. That they put, they plug that hole. Um, yeah. Yep. Yep. Mind wipe. But for some reason, R2 was still able to download all C-3PO's memories by the end of Tross. Yeah. So yeah. Still so much for still, mind wiping. It, he, they selectively removed the droids <laughs> from his brain because he yeah, remembers everything else. Yeah. Someone force wiped them. Yeah. Um, all right. Next okay, up. Next one. This is W Boyko. I think this is Bat. This is Bat's other account, right? Bat2797. Because he's. I have no idea. Um, so W Boyko says, I'm going a little different here. I love the scene where Obi-Wan is talking to Yoda about the missing planet of Kamino and the young Padawan fucking roasts him. It's a great moment where Kenobi, just like many of us, overthink a problem and Occam's razor applies. It's such a simple scene, but it teaches Obi-Wan to trust in himself and his instincts, uh, the force more. So... Yeah, I mean, yeah, it is like it's one of those. I mean, I think Yoda kind of perfectly says it. He's like, how simple the mind of a child, or how precious the mind of a child. Exactly, something yeah, like that. It, it's something like that. It's like yeah. just their innocence and uh, the fact that they just go to the most obvious conclusion right away. Because like, you know, Kenobi's like, "Hey, master, what the fuck? Like the the planet's just gone." Mm-hmm. And, and the kid's like, "Um, someone deleted it, asshole." Yeah, it's like they and just like, removed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was like, yeah, there you go, Kenobi. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it, it was, it was a very simple scene, but it does it, like it. And it's something that like applies to all adults. So this is not Bat's other account. W boy. Yeah. I think he's this, in this would have been, uh, this is a, a Jesus Kenobi seat. Yeah. This is where he's, he's whipping his, he's got his the mullet. like mullet. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, this is, yeah, it is. It's a, it's a good teaching moment for like, not only Kenobi, but also for us, <laughs> like for us as, as yeah. adult humans. Yeah, like it does make sense because just... Kenobi always was like, you know, he, he wasn't much into the four shit like Qui-Gon. He was always like, you know, buy the book, blah, blah, blah. It's got to be this way or that way. Yep. 
uh, he didn't really think outside the box like Anakin could during a battle. I mean, hey, you know, we got to follow the battle plan. So yeah. no, I, I, I do like that. It's All a right. fun scene. Next up is s.i.s.x. I can't count. I did fucking six again. It's like if I if I capture a story reply, I, I, I go just dumb. remove it. I still <laughs> do. I still do five comments. No, it's totally fine. Uh, Sissix says his first appearance in uh, Star Wars Episode Four. So New Hope magic wondering who this strange person is um i mean yeah that's kind of the same like the hello there it's like the hello there moment but that it, whole, it, it, you see him wa- like he's he's waddling in the desert going right dragon screen all that stuff but yeah i mean it's got that janky robe on that has like a kkk point to it yeah that yeah but it is it's like you you get introduced to him vocally by or like verbally by uh you know uncle owen and he's like, oh, that crazy kook out there. Yeah, right, and, right. And like you finally see him and he does like like you said, he first walks up. He does kind of look like a crazy. He kook. does. He does pay off as the, that old crazy hermit living out by the dune sea. Yeah. He totally does. But that whole scene of like, you know, essentially, you know, you could say that he force healed Luke now, like with the little touch on the head. I, I you know what, Nick? From a kid on, I always thought that he did do something. He, he like like it wasn't him just putting his head on and then Luke just magically woke up. Yeah, so there you go. Now you get that confirmation. And then obviously the uh, sand people uh, travel in line oh, to yeah, hide he, their he numbers. Lays down All that of knowledge. those things, those those Kenobiisms that you get from, from A New Hope. Yeah, I mean, it's... But it, it also just, perfectly establishes the fact that, that Luke is well aware of old Ben and old Ben is well aware of Luke and that they have interacted at some point yeah, in time. exactly. So, uh, yeah, good good response there by Sissix. Um, next up, and the last one for the responses is from Lima Four Photos, our good friend in our Discord and in our uh, chat community sometimes says, for me... It was that moment when he treated and defeated Maul with so much respect. Many would be quick to criticize Kenobi by labeling him almost derisively uh, the, with the whole best member of the Jedi Order, a.k.a. blindly dogmatic tag. Um, but it was this moment in that Twin Suns episode in Rebels that truly defined him. He was the personification of everything that was great about the Jedi, 100%. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that moment was very powerful. In terms of, because like that could have gone, like you mentioned, uh, or like um, one of our previous responders mentioned, Crondale mentioned, you know, he saw Maul kill Satine. He saw Maul kill his his master. Oh yeah, I, I mean, come on, like Maul dedicated his his life to destroying to Obi-Wan hating Kenobi. Kenobi. Like that's all he wanted to do. Yeah. That's why he could never grow or get better. Yeah, and in that moment, like in that ultimate moment of defeat, where Maul is, you know, felled beside him. He could have gone away different direction. Like he could have been spiteful. He could have been dismissive or anything. Yeah, could- chopped his head off and held it up like, yeah, I am Kenobi. Yeah. Hello there. But even like, even by Jedi standards, if he would have just killed him and then walked away and left his body there in the desert, there would have been nothing wrong with that. But like right. to literally take him in his arms and, and give him comfort in his moment uh like his final moments like oh, that course. that really does speak to the character they, they i mean maul almost maul died a brother almost yeah of kenobi like kenobi had a a a love and respect for this character yeah uh, and pretty much told him like yeah i'm here because of luke 
Luke is the chosen one. Yeah. And he I know a lot of people don't like to hear that. And that's up in the air because it is lying Kenobi. But Kenobi tells Maul that he is guarding the chosen one. Yeah. Um, and so, and once Maul heard that, he was like, all right, good. Thank you. Because yeah. I mean, Maul, we learned through Clone Wars season seven, you know, he's a shithead. But he he was not too keen on what was about to go yeah, down with the Emperor and, and Anakin. Like even he was like, "Yeah, we gotta fucking stop this shit because it could it could get out of hand." Yeah, I mean, he knew that like just with his underworld dealings, it was gonna affect him. Like you know, if the, if the Empire really does take over, Palpatine gets his his you know hands in everything that that's gonna shut down a lot of yeah. what Maul was working on too. So, and just like he knew, he knew that Anakin and what he could become was, was the linchpin. Yeah. Uh, so I think he was relieved to know that, that Kenobi was still watching out for this shit and there was still someone there, uh, to unfuck what the, what the emperor did. Yeah. I think that's what he, like Kenobi says to him, like, or maybe it was Maul to Kenobi or one, one way of the conversation. One of them said like, he will redeem us both. In terms, yeah, like speaking about, and I just watched it, so I don't want to talk out of turn. But the the conversation does have that feel to it. It's like Maul dies, and and all the burdens are released from him. Like yeah. he dies peacefully. Uh, you know, the conversation they have allows Maul to die, knowing that it's being taken care of. Essentially, yeah. Um. So yeah, that was a beautiful moment for sure. And, and just this last line here, I, I think it's a good a good take, but. There, there's another side to this coin and he was the personification of everything that was great about the Jedi. I would argue Kenobi was also the personification of everything that was wrong about the Jedi. Yeah. I mean, speaking because uh, his dogmatic, yeah, I mean, his, you know. his dogmatic views and, and those, uh, those others that held them are ultimately uh, led to their great hubris and their blindness to the rise of the Sith. So. Yeah. So, uh, good responses there. And I, I think old Kenobi learned that because you never heard Kenobi telling Luke like, nah, you can't have attachments or this or that. Yeah. I mean, like he he, they, he definitely left out all of the, you know, all of that <laughs> stuff that was very big back in yeah. the day. Yoda sort of mentioned it on Dagobah. He's like, no, don't leave. You're just going to fuck him up. Yeah, but it's like you can't. Neither one of them were, were delivering it like they used to during the early days of the Jedi. Yeah, like, like hey, that if scene. you even look at a fucking female or another human and have thoughts, you're wrong. Yeah, I mean, that, that the whole scene, the hate leads to anger, that all stemmed from attachment, like Anakin speaking to Yoda about attachment and, you know, Right. these visions that he's seeing and stuff like that, let go of everything you must. And that, that whole thing was there. I mean, that was one of their primary tenants was like, you, you are, I mean, you are essentially like a Catholic priest. Yeah. There you go. Like I was going to say you're married to the religion. Yeah. And that was it. So, and you um, see how well that's done for the Catholic priest. Not right? very well. The Catholic church. Yeah. I learned many years after the fact that I was in the, the Pittsburgh diocese where which is one of the worst for like boy touching. Yeah. Dude, um, so I've either just completely buried those or I did not have any priest boy yeah. touching going on when I was a kid. You made that out. You made out. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it's definitely fucked up. Not allowing attachments. Yeah. Right. Not, not great. And then Yoda, I mean, he, he learned as much after he died too. They all, they all eventually figured it out. So I mean, that's, it, they it just cost them the galaxy. Yeah. So, Good stuff right. there. Good responses there from the Let's from the community on your Kenobi here. moments. And that will bring us into our top five 
That's Star right, the Wars top five. fan artist features of the week. And this week we have our, our shot breakdowns as well. So we're going to be breaking down shots from Hasbro, Star Wars, and from Klondike Studios at the end. But the f- Ooh, y'all but about first to get up, fucked up. Yeah, Matt's in a bad mood. He's going to fucking <laughs> rip it into you. But uh, all right, so first up. On the Who top five, who are the week. winners this week, Nick? Who's number one? Number one is at Joe's Toy Picks right. with just a very nice, clean Mando portrait. Din Djarin in the man, in not full Beskar. This is this is partial Beskar, I would say, because you got one yeah, of his this pauldrons. Is season one, episode one, and episode two. Yep. Mando. So, <laughs> and it's just a good. It's just like a clean, crispy shot of Mando. Background looks like it's probably Digirama. Yep. yep. Um, but yeah, man, like the, the... So, no, it is. So, I mean, for a Digirama shot, the trick there is is lighting. getting the light to match the background. And I think uh, Joe's toy picks did that uh, quite well. Uh, this, this picture also just goes to show how fucking excellent the Hot Toys Mandalorian Barbie is. Yeah. I mean, it just it is, looks fantastic. It's a super photogenic figure. It looks fucking fantastic. Uh, I mean, this is a great looking shot, but even even any shot I've seen of this figure looks fucking fantastic, but it still doesn't do justice to what the figure looks and feels like when you're holding it. Like, I want to go break mine out right now and caress it a little bit and talk <laughs> to it and whisper in his ears, sweet nothings. Uh, it's just, it, it really is one of the greatest hot toys out there. And, and at Joe's underscore toy put toy picks um it took a nice little portrait but really here the key is in the color grading yeah and how the lighting of the the, the foreground the subject uh, blends in well with the background and then i'd also say there's some soft proofing going on here to not necessarily wash it out but but kind of put a little bit of a, a haze tone over top of it yeah yeah so Good stuff there from at Joe's underscore toy picks on Instagram. Sorry. And <laughs> Matt was about to die there. He, he had some Star Wars force juice caught in his throat. Holy shit. <laughs> uh, at Joe's underscore toy picks on Instagram. Thank you very much, sir. Next up in the top five, we have at oh, yeah. Chez Picks 66. Chez Picks has been on the top five multiple times in the top five multiple times. And it's always... His incredible outdoor photography. Like he's the Star Wars Sunset King. Yeah. It could be a sunset or a sunrise. This guy is the master of golden hour Star Wars toy photography shots. Yeah. And I, mean, I made sure to so say that slowly so it didn't come out. He's the master of golden showers. Golden shower shots. I would not say that about Chez Picks. I don't know him that yeah, well. Yeah, we don't know what his other Instagram account is that that does that. So we, you know, maybe <laughs> maybe he does have a second one that's more focused on that. But this this account here, Chez Picks sixty six, is like Matt says. It, it he perfectly captures his sunsets, sunrises, and in this shot here, I mean, like basically, I think. Chez Picks actually does live on Tatooine. Like, if you just look at all of his shots, it just perfectly captures the Tatooine desert vibe. And and what we see here is a, is a number of of uh, Tuscan Raiders on a ridge, looking down over somebody over there. Some of them have their gaffy sticks. Some of them have their long rifles. 
Um, and and they're just kind of surveying the landscape as the sun. I mean, dude, the one with his his stick up, I can hear it through my screen going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like doing the doing the walrus call that uh-huh. the, the, the sand people do. Yep. It is. I mean, it's just it, it's a silhouette shot, is is how I would describe it, mm-hmm. because you don't really have any light on the subjects. Yeah. Um, they're, they're kind of being backlit by the sun and then there's no lighting in the front. So there's no like key light or overhead, uh, which, which creates the, the shadow silhouette look. And it just, it's just, it's just beautiful. I mean, I'm not saying I could do what Chez Picks does, but I would love to fucking live next to an area like he does. Uh, cause I think that'd get my dead ass out doing this a lot more than I do. Cause you know, my backyard's pretty boring and I'm a lazy piece of shit. So if I can't do it in my backyard, I'm not really going anywhere else and looking, uh, for a nice setup. But, but I believe he's told us before, I think he's up in the, the Northeast and be it Maine or Connecticut. And, and he lives by one of the beaches and it just, it's, it, it's, you know, it's obviously flat ground. You're not going to have a lot of mountains. So you get those perfect perfect windows to capture the sun rising and setting in a Tatooine-esque type of environment. Yeah. Uh, but there, I mean, I'll, I'll go on his page now for those of you on the live stream and there's not a bad shot on here. And, and the, and the sunsets, like I said, are just, just fucking killer. I mean, it just brings such a, such a natural feel, lifelike feel to the hobby. And that's why I, I prefer shooting outside. Uh, obviously living up north, it's not something you can do year round, especially if you're a puss like me. <laughs> uh, but it just, it, it, if you have the right conditions, like what Ches pick gets here, I mean, you can create some fucking out of this world, real world looking photography using toys from a galaxy that is so far, far away. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so great shot there. By at Chespix66. Make sure to give him a follow. He is definitely worth it. It's always nice to see those golden hour shots pop up on your feed uh, on the mm-hmm. IG scrolls. So give him a follow. Next up is one from at Chang, C H A N G <laughs> underscore smoker. And this is just, I, I love these, these creative shots where people take Star yep. Wars figures and then put them in obvious, you know, just, just other world, not really otherworldly, but like, Outside of the Star Wars universe, it's, shots. it's they're they're atypical situations yes, for atypical. Star Wars characters to find themselves. Perfect, in. perfect use of words there. So what we see here is a stormtrooper <laughs> rock band. Uh, you got the your, your lead guitarist and probably lead vocalist up there doing the the shredding the rocker it, man. I mean, knee slide. Yeah, he, he's down on two knees, looking up to the rock gods. You know, uh, riffing on some sort of uh, of tune. Yeah, it just. I like Nick said, I, I, and I know a lot of toy photographers that they're not into these, these more comical or or I call them hashtag star Wars humor, uh, type of shots. But I I love this shit. Cause I mean, a, again, it shows ultimate creativity and imagination Yes, and B it's just fun to see star Wars characters doing shit that doesn't make sense for them to be doing because it's nothing we've ever seen in universe. Exactly. And and in this shot in particular, like the, the setup was really great. You got the, st- you have a stormtrooper off behind the main focus. That's <laughs> uh, playing another guitar. And then you have 
another trooper off on the drum set in the back right the lighting is so great like you get to see those rays of light oh, yeah, you get out. some rays like the, you know there's some stage effects going yeah. on right here the hands, uh, maybe yeah. maybe you get some pyro going if this was a live show you get some poof, poof, poof. yeah maybe the lead would break out a, a my knock and he'd bite its head off right yeah, like, Ozzy like Ozzy. <laughs> but yeah man i mean this one this shot here was just super fun i love the colors used in it it, it does have like that do you see nick do you see in the red, foreground how he's got like the uh, hands uh, yeah outlines of hands, hands like you know the the, the crowd sitting there like yeah it's the bucket heads yeah we love our buckets they don't suck darth vader does yeah dude i i so i just really love the vibe of this shot i love how chang was able to pull it off um you know what i mean funny shot or not it's a fucking killer setup yeah like the, the posing's great Getting these little cocksuckers to sit on the drum set, hold the drumsticks, hold the hold the guitars, and actually look natural. Uh, the the pose of the lead, like Nick said, I mean, it, it is a perfect. You could put on a T-shirt to sell at a a band's tour shop of the lead singer, you know, down on his knees, looking up and, and rocking out. The guy in the back, he's got like almost a perfect bass player stance, right? Yeah, because bass players are always just kind of cool, just hanging and out, chill, slapping that thing. Uh, and as you said, that the, the 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 light he's using, it's a real light, but the way it's it, he kind of got it bouncing off the atmosphere. So I don't know, it's just it's fantastic. I mean, I love the imagination. I think the posing is top notch, and that's really what sells the shot are are the poses. Yep, exactly. So at Chang underscore Smoker on Instagram, go give him a follow. He's got a lot of fun. Uh, kind of matchups done on his on his feed too. So make sure to go give him a follow, go give him a look. Um, all right, next up in the top five for this week is a shot from at Odal underscore studio. And it's just a really awesome shot of what could have been, I guess, you know, you could say if if Luke did take that turn father over to the son. dark side. Um, it is father and son uh standing right next to each other, both with red lightsabers ignited in some sort of battlefield where it looks like there's some, maybe a fallen temple behind them or, or, yeah. or some sort of thing. I even like how he, he used the, this is the Hoth pilot Luke. Yeah. And I don't know if Odal did it just because you have the echoes of the chess piece between father and son. Now it, it adds a little bit of a mechanical vibe to Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I call this a concept shot. I I'm also a fan of that. I mean, I, I like anything star Wars art. That's why we do what we do. And by the way, if this is the first time you're listening to the top five star Wars fan artist features here on a star Wars time show, what this is, is, uh, every day. We ask those of you that create Star Wars art of any form. It could be toy photography. That's predominantly predominantly what we're talking about today. But it could be traditional artwork. It could be fecal artwork. It doesn't matter. <laughs> as long as it is Star Wars in nature, if it's cosplaying, doodles, tattoos, it's art, right? So Star Wars art. We like it. We want to share it with other people. So on Instagram, if you are posting something Star Wars related, and as you could see, it could be mashups, it could be crossovers, it doesn't matter. JMB, Jason B. Michael, who was on here a few weeks ago, he's like, oh man, I can't believe you guys shared my uh, Batman post. I was like, well, he's on Tatooine and he's holding the Mandalorian's head. So it is Star <laughs> Wars art. Yeah. Uh, so tag the account at Star Wars Time Show, but also please use hashtag Star Wars Time Show. Yes. That way we'll see your work 
Every day I share, uh, I feature 12 shots on our Instagram account. And then once a week during the show, like we're doing right now, Nick will select the top five and we'll go through it on the live stream, show it off, talk about it, and generally pay homage to you artists, you know, kissing ass, that type of thing, <laughs> whatever you want to say, it blowing smoke up your butt. But it's not really blowing smoke. It's legit smoke. We, we are here to honor you and share your creative vision with other Star Wars fans. So there's my, my, my ditty on that. Get at it. We need new fans anyways, so get involved. But back to at Odal underscore studio and his excellent looking concept shot of Hoth pilot Luke and good old Daddy Vader. Yeah. I think what really helps sell this shot too is the is like the the particle effect he did in the background. I don't know if it's like sand falling. Yeah, I, Odal like, does a lot of I think a lot of sand kicking up. So particle yeah. like um the the everything Kylo is what I call this. Yeah, yeah. I mean it just it fits yeah. it so well because it does look like they're basically in the middle of some sort of battle where they just either like this whole temple just fell over or like pieces of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. They they just kicked the shit out of whatever building that was, and now they're coming out like, all right, this is how we roll. This is how justice is going to get carried out now in the galaxy. Yeah. So I just thought it was a really excellent shot of of the father son duo. Yeah. And what could have been the dark side. This uh, is for Vader's backup plan because you yeah. remember at first he wanted to rule the galaxy with Padme. Yeah. And now but he's once like, he choked her ass out, now he's going on to his offspring. Yeah, father <laughs> rule it, father and son. Maybe that's just as good, you know. Still, still yeah. not bad. So he'd be like, "Hey, Padme didn't have the force. This guy's got my my jizz in him. Yeah, so he's he's, got, he's probably got some magic hands. Yeah, he's got he's got a good amount of force in him. So I think we can probably do well <laughs> if I can convince him to come over. So all um, right, yeah, good shit there at Odol O D O L underscore Studio on Instagram. Well done. Uh, and the last one up for the top five this week before we get into our fan shot breakdowns is from Suga. at Mark Walker photo. And what we have here are two Jawas and they've cracked open a Cadbury cream egg. Um, and if you're an, are Easter, you a Cadbury guy? Do you like Cadbury? I do like Cadbury cream eggs. Yeah. I haven't had one in a long time, but really? when I was a kid, I was, a no, big I'm fan. a fat, like, like I explained, I mean, I know I don't look obese, but I am an obese person. You're a fat kid at heart. <laughs> oh dude. Like that's, that's my life. So anytime Easter comes around, I demand at least a sleeve or two of the Cadbury cream eggs. Yep. Yep. But, but what really gets me are the Cadbury mini eggs. Yeah, the, with, okay. with the candy shell. Holy <laughs> fuck, man. Like, I, I think on Sunday alone, I ate probably four of those little bags that you can get, like the the little personal 200 yeah. calorie bags. Yeah. I just can't stop eating. I, I, I think Cadbury chocolate is some of the best fucking chocolate out there. Oh, dude. And yeah, I mean, I totally agree. And the fact that you can only get them around Easter is just like... That's that's probably what makes it so good then, right? Because yeah. it's not something you can have. Exactly. It's last the year, I, I'll never do this again, but I did it last year. It was the first time I did it. Maybe it was pandemic brain. But I was like, you know what? I'm fucking stockpiling <laughs> Cadbury mini eggs. Yeah. Stockpiling. I, I probably bought 15 of the large sacks, like the, like the super <laughs> large family size purple bags. Yeah. And Nick, I was eating them. I think well into the summer, the fall, 
it's just like, okay, dude, you don't need a, a years long supply of this shit. Cause you know, every weekend you're going to be funneling those damn eggs down your mouth. <laughs> All I right. Mean, don't you need them though? You really do need them. Oh dude, they're so good. <laughs> I should, I should go get you my, my haul. You would laugh. I mean, I'm a 40 year old guy that probably gets more Easter candy than little kids. Oh dude. Yeah. I mean, and it's all fucking Cadbury. Like, and his tones is saying, I was going to say, I, I, I would assume UK people yeah. are, are, addicted to Cadbury because it's it's their shit yeah and he's saying they get them all year Dude, long that's, so that's crazy but yeah the cream eggs I'm not as not as a big fan in the uh the caramel eggs but yeah. I still you know it's still not bad but it, the mini eggs number one from Cadbury then right underneath that as we're looking in Mark Walker's photo would be the Cadbury cream egg and boy, oh boy, I'm working myself up. I wish it was Friday so I could eat some <laughs> <laughs> but yeah but on this shot, the shot, I mean, the shot's fantastic. Mark Walker has been featured many times on the top five. And, you know, you had that, that smoke background that kind of gives you the separation between the foreground characters with the two Jawas. And then just like the pose of the one Jawa who's not holding like the cream yeah, up. Like, ooh. A, ooh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we, we actually, there was a few on, I didn't do a, my full load of shares on Easter Sunday because I didn't want to go to hell. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but, but but we did get a few. Uh, I think we got like three or four similar shots of, of Jawas and the and it, it, it's a playoff the Mandalorian episode two and the Suga, 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 Suga. You know, <laughs> what, I love Jawas. I love those fucking cocksuckers. <laughs> uh, but you're right. It is, I think the fact that Mark actually dipped one of their hands in and then caught it slowly dripping yeah. mid drip. Yeah. And it's like it's it's making the other Jawa go like, oh, yeah. Suga. <laughs> like he's almost going to pass out. He's so excited that he's about to dip his own hand in there. Yeah. No, so I just thought it was. Tones, tones I, I got that tip, bro. I'm a pro eating Cadbury eggs. I bite the top off and then I almost make love to it with my <laughs> tongue through that hole. Like I'm like, I, I practice cunnilingus almost. I try to suck all the juice out. Uh, and once I get all the cream out, then I process the chocolate. There so, you go. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. This Now we're getting into the territory where I'm going to start getting myself in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been that. We've hit that hour of the show. We've hit that minute mark where my governor is starting to fail on saying stuff that is a little outlandish. But yeah. Fuck it. Who cares? Hey, don't worry. We're almost to the end of the show here because that's the end of the top five, but we still have two shots to break That's down. That's right. So thank you at Mark Walker underscore, or not underscore at Mark Walker photo on, uh, IG. Go give him a follow for that top five entry. Next up, we have our breakdowns. The first one here is from at Hasbro star Wars. And what we are looking at is a stormtrooper uh, kind of wading through water on a beach and his, yeah. his, um, his looks like one is, of the new the new Black Series Stormtrooper. Okay. So that that new mold for those of you who can't see. Yeah, and the caption is "Beach Patrol on Scarif." So Matt, why don't you give us a key? Well, there, there's a there's an easy thing eye. right here to critique right off the bat. Okay, the fact that they only tagged at Star Wars the Black Series. Wow, yeah, right? that is. That's an easy one. Easy. That has nothing to do with photography, but you're already doing it wrong. He's got the, the hashtag in there. So he not no, just got it. He's got one piece of the pie, but I believe you were the one last week that pointed out like, look, this is how you do it. People mm -hmm. 
when whoever we were talking about, literally we were the first everything. Exactly. We were at Star Wars Time Show Blood. So that I was just trying to, you know, live up to your expectations. No, you're right. And, you're right. And he actually hashtags us twice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I guess that makes up. So for maybe him. one of them was supposed to be an at because he's got hashtag Vader, hashtag Ahsoka, hashtag Star Wars Time Show. And then down towards the bottom, he's got hashtag Stormtrooper, hashtag Plastic Picks Top 5, and then hashtag Star Wars Time Show again. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm just fucking around right, with yeah. that one. But uh, in ter- I'm not really, so <laughs> At Star Wars us. Time Show on your post. Do yes, it. please. In terms of the shot, so here we go. I mean, you're always going to hear this from me when we critique if it's missing. Uh, in particular, I think it it really would have amped this shot up, but but a good squirt of uh, some atmosphere because mm-hmm. it would have caught that back sun where yeah. you're seeing the the lighter or the brighter light shining on the the trooper's back. It would have caught that nicely and and maybe even created some some you know rays of rays of light. Uh, I would also argue there's there's just something off with this pose. And coming from a guy that sucks at posing, it's hard to explain exactly what could be off. But it just doesn't quite look like a natural stance for a, a, a stormtrooper. It's almost like he's he's too, standing too, too straight, straight up. I was going to say, it's like too straight. It's almost like... It's like the 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 shot is supposed to evoke like walking and movement. Exactly. It almost looks it, like... He was standing still and then got like surprised and then looked over, like stood up real okay. straight. Like when you get surprised right. and then like looked over. And I'm his. with you because the, the lower body posing, I think is good yeah. going for that. I'm walking through water type of shot, which I, I assume at Hasbro star Wars was going for. So that that's what it is. It's like, you almost needed to, to slightly tilt the torso down a bit more to, to go more in line with where his, was that? His left leg is, is walking. And again, this is something that I, I struggle with severely and I try to practice every time I set up. I've been I've been doing at least one shot a week, so uh, I, I'm getting more practice at it. But even with that being said, I'll look at some shots where I was looking in my viewfinder. I'm like, oh, that looks good. But when I go to whittle them down and edit to post, I'm like, come on, dude, yeah. you could do better than that. Like, And this always goes back to the mantra of. A great toy photography shot, you should look at it and it should not feel like a toy. Yeah. Uh, it should feel like a natural, organic pose of a character. And there's just, like I said, that that straight up and down upper torso pose in this shot is slightly uh, kind of breaking the illusion here. Yeah, sure. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I agree on the pose. I agree on the atmosphere, even if it is just like, you know, just a small spray of atmosphere aerosol or, or even like this might have been a good one nick to to get like a little spray bottle yeah and just get like some Add water some water. Mist, water mist in the air look like it's it's coming off of the ocean yeah exactly so uh, a couple of different options there but yeah i mean overall i mean i like the lighting all natural light and i think the way that the light is kind of coming from that right side of the image and then you know kind of brightening up the the right side of the character well, it's, it's it's framed well yeah. I and mean, it, it it it's it's sized well i mean it does look like a a large character it doesn't look like a toy it's just you know a little bit off in the posing and you could have used a little either if you had to after the fact vfx to kind of add a little more to the scene or if you like doing stuff practical you know get a spray bottle or mister or something out there even mm-hmm. maybe stirring up the water a bit with canned air could added to it 
uh, just it was just missing like an ingredient or two to really really pop off yeah so uh there you go at hasbro star wars hopefully that was some helpful tips but uh overall uh like matt said framed well looks really solid in terms of the scale of the figure just a couple of little extra elements would really make it pop a, a little bit harder and uh this next one here is from at klondike studios our good buddy who's hanging out in the chat and what we have here is the mythos kenobi figure and he's walking through what looks like a sandstorm um so matt why don't you hit us right off the bat and just we know this is joe so just lay oh, into I was gonna say this this looks like it came from crackhead bob <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm only saying that because i know klondike's a huge stern Yes. fanboy like myself so i i had to lead with something stern related just to get him right off the bat so it's not crackhead bob it's gary the conqueror <laughs> i wish i could say his real name but i don't want to get in trouble so. but no i'm just kidding all right so here we go here we go joe um obviously fucking love the figure i have him too he's one of my favorite one of the greatest one six scale figures out there uh, i think something that stands out to me right off the bat you got the atmosphere in there. It's practical. It's look like you used the everything Kylo uh, technique of, of of kicking up some sand. Maybe it was aerosol because it looks like there's some smoke in there too. Mm-hmm. I think the one thing that could have been improved upon here is just lighting in general and maybe lighting on your, your subject because the backlight, we're working with more of a a warmer tone. But then it feels like the light on Kenobi himself has a, a cooler tone. Uh, so it's almost like your backlight had an, like an orange gel or something like that. And the light you're using overhead or your key light uh, was just, you know, your, your typical white light. Uh, so I think the overall color tone should have slanted more towards the, the warm range versus the cold range, just based on the predominant warm light of the uh, backlight. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think the pose is pretty damn good. I mean, he, he's clearly walking. Uh, I mean, you could ask why is he walking and using his binoculars at the same time? Is that something you would do? Yeah. Or is he walking away just after he viewed something and he's walking towards it after he spotted it in the distance? Uh, but I, 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 I suffer from this stuff too. Like I'll, I'll cook up a pose and be like, Oh, the pose looks good. And I'll take the shot. And then after a while, you're like, does the pose really match what is happening in the shot though? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, a lot of my check boxes are, are checked here. There, there's, there's atmosphere. There's some particle. It looks like it's, it's practical versus VFX. Maybe the smoke came in after the fact. Uh, but to me, it's 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 a lighting mismatch. I, I feel like the 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 lights, the 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 key light, and maybe an overhead were of the more cooler toned light versus what was happening in the backlight. Yeah, I mean, I really don't have too much else to say. I agree with Matt that there it does like that that difference, and I don't know if it's set off even more by like the smoke on the bottom left of the image doesn't have like you know. Like it is kind of more of a, a, a neutral or cool tone as well. So right. like you have that one added element that even gives you more of that separation between your background. Um, but overall, I think it's a pretty well executed shot. Yeah. So he just said this is all in camera effect and it's it's one shot. One shot. So okay. 
that's impressive. And, and, and Joe, I know that's one of those shots where you're like, fuck yeah, I got lucky because, uh, I, I much prefer to do one, one shot, one take versus trying to stitch or layer multiple shots of the same scene to, to fill out the, the atmosphere and the effects. Uh, so that's always a win when you can just, you get that one high shutter speed snap that perfectly captures the effects you had in your mind to stick. Uh, but I do, I, I think overall it's just a, uh, the lighting is, is the, the one thing detracting from the shot. Uh, another pass with lighting, maybe, maybe just pursuing a more warm tone overall, uh, you know, would probably fix that for me. I mean, again, this is a, a, a for me here. So ack, ack to you, low pitch, Eric to you and a, Hey, now <laughs> there we go. So that's the end of the fan shot breakdowns. Thank you very much. Klondike and Hasbro star Wars for submitting shots for the segment. Uh, that's the end of the top five, and that's the end of the show. So, Matt, bring us on home. You got it. And just to piggyback off, off of what Nick said, if you do want your shot critiqued by our, us two non-artistic asses, uh, just DM us on Instagram, and we'll add you to the running list. It, it's kind of slowed down. I mean, we, we still have a decent have a backlog. Still, yeah. uh, but please, at, at any time, any of you, uh, even you highly skilled people, I mean, how fun would it be to have... Uh, a guy that is average to below average at the hobby critique your shot <laughs> and a guy that d- doesn't even do it critique your shot yeah. bring it on you never know maybe you'll get some good advice <laughs> uh sweet yeah um uh, joe just told us he's going to send us a stern show cameo for our uh birthday so i appreciate <laughs> that i want a low pitch eric i send nick uh, jeff the drunk <laughs> all right so as nick said we're, we're we're putting episode 156 to bed i mean overall i think it was a fun time we we kicked off a new segment in what pisses off george lucas uh we did not have our discussion with natalie cox from force unleashed but maybe that'll happen at a later date mm-hmm. either way the show is coming to an end so it's time to shimmy and shake our asses and man titties or girl titties on over to starwarstime.net i think it's up and running today and the reason we want you to go over there is because you know it's a peek into our soul it's who we are as star wars fans and podcasters Uh, so if there are interesting star wars topics to tell they will be on starwarstime.net but more importantly for those of you who are new to this shit show If you go to StarWarsTime.net, you can get all of the important links you need, be it social media or, more importantly, to the podcast platforms. All right, so if you head over to StarWarsTime.net, scroll around a little bit, you'll see it on the sidebar. If you want Apple Podcasts, go ahead, click on it. It's yours. If you want Android, go ahead, click on it. It's yours. You'll probably also get some spyware and malware, but that's Android, and you love it, and you're rolling with it. We're even on Spotify, Stitcher, you name it, you can listen to this show. All right. If you prefer looking at our faces, which are made for radio, but we did decide to put them out over the visual waves for some reason. Uh, And speaking of this, Nick, I'm I'm kind of breaking script here, but I believe this is probably our year anniversary of live streams. Oh, geez. Yeah, I think it's in April. I don't know if it's this week or next or the one after, but I know it's within the next two or three weeks. So 
but yeah, we've been doing live streams now for about a year. It's the same show you get on the podcast platforms, but now you get to look at us in black and white and kind of see what we're talking about with our handy dandy OBS setup. So please head on over to StarWarsTime.net if you liked what you heard today. Subscribe on YouTube, leave a comment, turn on notifications, and do the same on those podcast platforms. Uh, we, we need those ratings and reviews more than we need holes in our head. And we do need holes in our head. You've heard us talk, and I think you will agree, having an extra hole or two in these skulls would be beneficial to our lives overall. But seriously, those, those ratings and reviews go a long way to the internet gods, to the Googles, to the YouTubes. If you tell them we're awesome, they will tell new people searching for Star Wars podcasts that we are awesome. And that equals more fans. And you know, more fans equals Matt staying alive. And we need that to happen, right? Because I am, I am a... I'm, I'm a narcissist. I'm a self-described Star Wars narcissist. I think what we do is just as good, if not better, than all the other Star Wars fan podcasts. We just don't lie about leaks and clickbait shit. But that shouldn't matter. You should still come and tune in for, what, Nick, at this point, two and a half to four hours a week. You're going to get free fucking content from us two dedicated, loyal Star Wars schmoes. That's all we want. We just want the following. We want the fandom. We want the feedback, good or bad. So leave those ratings and reviews. I think we're up to 33 now on iTunes, which is pathetic. But you get us up close to 100, and I guarantee you we will have a lot more people listening to this little show than we do now. So that is our, that is our ask of you all. If you've been a, a diehard, we love you. Keep coming back and keep tricking other people to get looped in. We need people to find this shit organically, though. I think we've tapped out the IG market. We've got our hardcores. We need to expand into the softcores, as Nick likes to do on Friday nights on HBO. All right. So StarWarsTime.net, because there's always time for Star Wars time. There truly is. There isn't a week that goes by where we don't have something to celebrate on Star Wars time, because there truly is always time for Star Wars. And as you know, those of you in the know, if you listen to the Star Wars Time show, the Force will be with you. Always.